Well, guys, we'd like to start off this Nitrogen podcast with a massive thank you to everybody who's downloaded and listened to our last episode. Uh, we, he, well, I can't speak for Brian on this one, but I honestly thought that the momentum had been lost in the four weeks that we were, uh, the eight weeks that we were away. Um, yeah, and I'm absolutely blown away with the fact that, that people have stuck around and, and carried on listening. <laughs> like, kind of, I was kind of expecting this episode to just be like completely zero, and it's just me and Brian talking to each other and putting things out on the internet for no apparent reason. But apparently, you guys, it, yeah, <laughs> the um, the Nitrogen Podcast fan base, if you want to call it a fan base, is uh, it's still there, and uh, we really, really appreciate you guys listening in and. Um, at this point red circles changed so much that that i'm not entirely sure where everybody is um but there was <laughs> where is it that cory taylor is shout out to cory taylor because he's a listener uh, apparently yeah he's uh, an iowa native uh uh i don't know how you pronounce it really it it, it looks like des moines yeah des moines but i'm pretty des moines, uh, des, moines. Yeah. des moines that's how you pronounce it yeah <laughs> You think being a fucking Slipknot and Stone Sally fan, I'd actually know that by now, but obviously not. Yeah, so uh, apparently Corey Taylor's been uh, binge listening to the Nitrogen podcast whilst we've been, well, on hiatus due in January, but making a comeback in in, uh, in February. So thank you, Corey. Yeah, what, we're it? 12 episodes that we just randomly uh, listen yeah, to? Yeah, dude, I mean, that guy got properly addicted to us. <laughs> I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. By the way, that that's that is KFAB now. That is Canon. Like he he's a listener. He probably isn't, but he is in our heads. Oh, of like, course. We're not, we're not. We are not backing down yeah, for that. Well, He'd rather him or Seth Rollins. But <laughs> I, I I think Seth is just a, a tad little too busy fucking wearing really really god awful suits on TV at the moment and laughing mechanically uh, for no fucking reason. I think he's a little too busy. Yeah. But he does he does own his own coffee shop, so you know he's he's got he has his. Uh, he has his plus sides. Well, you've got to put their millions of dollars somewhere, don't you? I mean... Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Oh, fucking hell. Primetime players are all this shit. <laughs> I did love the primetime players, to be fair. Primetime. See, every time somebody says primetime, I think of Elite Skipper. That's just, like, mm. Naughty's Mark Ashworth. Yeah. Well, early Naughty's Brian Bradshaw as well, because, uh, you know, I, I did watch TNA, guys, yeah, yeah. and uh, he, he was fucking amazing. Primetime, baby. Like, he he arguably has the biggest moment in TNA history. He can lay claim to that with the um, with the Hurricane Rana off the top of oh, the cage. Of course, yeah. I completely yeah. forgot that was him. Doing do, doing that tightrope walk and then the Hurricane Rana. Like I've seen some impressive shit on cages. Yeah. You know, particularly in WWE. Yeah. But in WWE, the, their cages <clears throat> are genuinely, you know, they, they can cheat because they've got they've got like that rafter part at the top. Mm. These TNA cages were Fred fucking Burr. <laughs> you know, he must have he must have been practicing walking on string over the Grand Canyon, like not rope, <laughs> fucking string. With how he did that, with all that, with you know, all the grace of a fucking butterfly landing on a petal on a flower, it was just so fucking brilliant. Mm. Big fan of fucking Elix Skipper. Surprised, really, really surprised that he didn't really do much of anything after that. Yeah, I was going to ask if you knew where he sort of ended up because he kind of just. Again, like the butterfly just sort of flew off into the sky, never to be seen again. Yeah, um, I, I'm not really sure what happened with him. Mm. Uh, I, I did actually look up what he was up to these days uh, a while ago. Can't remember anything of it. <laughs> so it's just uh, not I th- memorable. I, I, if, I, if I remember it rightly, he's had a couple of tragedies, a couple of personal tragedies. I think his, his daughter, his son had died in a car crash or, some, or something or other. <laughs> so, you know, he's he's had a bit of bad luck. Uh, but 
yeah, it, I mean, back in TNA, he was in his late thirties then. Hmm. Like, you, didn't look it, you did think, it? Oh, he weren't he weren't around for long. Yeah. You know, even in WCW, I think it was like two thousand when he made his debut in WCW, weren't it? You'd know that more than that. What I would, do, I would have, you know, I would have sided with all one. I think early all one, but you yeah. could be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I could very be wrong. Um, yeah, and he just had those, you know, those six, seven years, and then just gone. Like, and if you're heading for towards your forties and you're doing shit like that, back in mid two thousands, they're gonna look at you as like, right, yeah, you're not one for this world do that now it's like holy shit he's a 10-year contract helix <laughs> flag bearer for nxt or 205 if they were even fucking AEW probably would get him. yeah yeah that's true funnily enough talking about tna um this week this past week we were watching dynamite and again that it's it's on late in it on itv4 um it's yeah the only thing on we were in bed and, and sort of watching it um it was the uh cm punk mjf thing and she Beth turned around to me and said, uh, what is the greatest wrestling match you've ever seen? And I went, oh my God, why are you asking me that question? That's just so loaded. Uh, I've got to think about like, what was 23, 40 to 25 years of wrestling fandom uh, and I've got to go through all their matches and think which one's the greatest one of all time. Um, so I had a, a little bit of a think about it and then she, she kind of moved the goalposts a little bit and said, right, well, what's your favourite Sting match? And I said, well, that's that's easy. That's Great American Bash 1990 against Ric Flair. She's like, well, what happened in that one? And I was like, oh, oh let's just watch it. <laughs> so we watched it. We, watched, <laughs> we didn't watch the entire thing. We watched uh, we watched the, the sort of the finish on YouTube. Um, and then it clicked in my head about TNA's Daniels versus Joe versus AJ. And I thought, oh, I have not oh. watched this for a while. And Beth was like... Uh, like she, she was on her phone, but but sort of watching the TV as well. I went, I think I'm going to go with this one. So I put it on, and that this was after watching CM Punk versus MJF, which was all right. Now people, like, this is awesome chance and stuff like that. It's overdone. It's become a cliche of itself, really. But um, it was all right. It's back. To, it's back to the hype for the people in the ring rather than actually the stuff that's going on in the yeah. ring. It's basically the Hogan Rock yeah. thing all over again. Yeah, bang on. Um, you know, and and that and that is not a bad thing at all. Mm, mm. That is, that to be honest with you, if you can make a crowd chant like that without doing anything or very little, yeah. then you're fucking over. Yeah. And MGF and CM Punk, they are the definition of over. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In the respective roles as well, like people, people appreciate MGF, but they boo the fucking shit out of them. <laughs> They don't want him to win. No. They don't want him to win. It's like that slight little bit in the back of the brain that wants him to win, mm. just to see what would happen. But generally speaking, they don't really want him to win. And bet I haven't seen the match. I've seen like potted highlights. Yeah. But I'll tell you some right outcome. MGF. I was going to say MGF that. beat uh, handing CM Punk his first loss in AEW. Yeah. That is the right outcome yeah. because now he can fucking ride that. Of course, he can ride that for the rest of his career. You know what? Yeah, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. That was the first person to beat CM Punk in AEW. Mm. Like, and that's a big deal. Well, it's the best for business as well, isn't it? Because now they can enter a program or they can revisit that program somewhere down the line. Like, have MJF be the cocky, you know, heel that's sort of avoiding CM Punk's re- rematch challenge and all that sort of stuff. This could go on for ages, you know. Yeah. And get even more heat on MJF if that was even possible. But even as we were watching the match, I, I I did say to Beth while we were watching it, like the right outcome here is is for MJF to go over, probably unclean, uh, and just piss off the entire fan base, but piss them off as you say, in in the love to hate them sort of uh, way. 
it's absolutely the right what, the right thing for business. Annoying wink. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, after after watching that, uh, put the TNA three way dance on or whatever you want to call it, and it still amazes me to this day that that those three boys just never stopped. They they never still, stopped. Still holds up. Yeah, it absolutely like, does. It, it, even like wrestling has picked up the person then, and that still manages to hold yep. up. Like that is a sign of a classic mm. match. The thing is about that match as well is like triple threats. They're, they're not really my thing. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of them because they end up going to the center up where you have two people in the ring. One person's just outside, yep. like, feigning injury. Uh, not feigning injury, but you know what I mean. Resting. Selling injury. Yeah. So, you know, getting a little rest, things like that. Let two guys in the work. He, he comes in, knocks somebody out. They two work. You one comes out. You know, yada, yada, yada. Chopping change, chopping change, chopping change. Yeah. In that match, all three were doing shits in the ring at the same time for most of it. Christopher Daniels was the only one, if I can remember rightly, that spent any significant time outside the ring, and he weren't outside the ring for that one. No, he wasn't. Yeah, you know, it's to be able to pull that off, you know, and three different styles, shapes, absolutely incredible match. It, it just, it, honestly, I get goosebumps talking about it. It is one of my favorite matches of all time. Yeah, without a shadow of yeah. a doubt, it, it is up there. It's just so immensely good. Yeah. Like, if you've never seen it, you are really fucking missing out. If you think AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels are great wrestlers in 2022, and he'll say 2021, may as well say 2021 because Samoa Joe hasn't wrestled since yeah. then, but, and Christopher Daniels is... Sporadic, in it? Somewhere. Yeah. yeah, he's somewhere these days. Um, but if you thought they were, they, they were great last year, this year, whatever you, go back to 2005. 2005, TNA Unbreakable. Yep. It's the only Unbreakable pay-per-view in TNA history, so... It's not hard to find no, that match. It's free it on is. YouTube, like on Impact's yeah. like official um, on their official channel, man. Well, there you go. Yeah. If they're giving that match away for free, they clearly want you to see yeah. it. <laughs> they want you to see it for reason. It's like, yeah, this is who we used to be. <laughs> yeah. The, the other the other but, note to, to not discount there as well is the age of Christopher Daniels uh, at that time. Like, I'm sure oh, yeah. he's like mean, 34. I mean, he's in his 50s now, like early 50s. Yeah, so, yeah, like. Again, a wrestler that got in in the business quite late on in life, yeah, yeah. rather than like you know early twenties things like that. I know he had his his uh, stints in WWE and WCW by this point, just a little bit, little uh, dress and jabs here and there. But both missed the ball and he became a fucking megastar in TNA. Yeah. Like you know, but he were in his mid thirties by the time he he got any any clout whatsoever, yeah. and yep. he, he just ran with it. He ran with it. He knew he knew what his gimmick were. He had that character nailed down, and he, you know, this is one thing that I don't understand. It's like people will give Chris Jericho praise for reinventing himself, and you know what? Some of that praise is due, some of it isn't. Like a couple of couple of times he reinvented himself, it's been a very, it's been very hit and miss. Let's just say. Yeah. I mean, that's my personal yeah. opinion. I may, um, people may disagree, but there's been certain certain little bits that he's done that I've not really been keen on. Yeah, uh, but. You know, Christopher Daniels has done a first first year reinventing himself. Mm-hmm. Like that that fallen angel gimmick. You know, at one point he were really fucking evil. I mean, like, and this was before TNA were on proper TV when they were at pay per view. He were really fucking evil. He like a um, he had like a cult status uh, to him. You know, a cult like status to him. Like you know, a cult of personality. Um, and he he did that. And then when they were on TV, it's like right. Dealt it back a touch, but then he became a different type of heel while still playing into that character. Yeah. Then he became a face without changing that character whatsoever. Mm. And then, you know, it, it, 
he just like changed it up a little bit, changed his look a little bit, and then eventually he just dropped the fallen angel gimmick. And people, I remember, even I were like, "Why would you drop that? That thing's money." It's because he he was doing it for fucking ten years at this point, and then it was bad influence. Yeah, and he laid into the comedy side of it, and fuck me, we're bad influence, the best tag team at all the time. I, I will not stand stand down from that. They were the most entertaining tag team, of, you know, for those first couple of years. They were so fucking funny. I mean, I, I saw TNA in Manchester. Uh, it were the it was it was the episodes of Impact where Kurt Angle uh, was had a had a cage match. Yeah, with some of the eight yeah. eight, and that's when um, fucking hell, Garrett Bischoff and Wes Briscoe joined, uh, showed. Um, Showed their allegiances to the aces and eights. It was it was those two episodes, but you had the cage match on first. They did that because obviously TV recording in Manchester Arena. Get the cage up, do the match, take it down. Yeah. It's gonna be out of fucking whack. The fans were in on it, whatever. So you know after that they had Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, bad influence, come out dressed in uh, as Braveheart in fucking Manchester. And they got booed to fucking <laughs> shit. But fucking, I, 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 I was sat there pissing myself at their fucking, their really, really bad Scottish accents and everything. <laughs> and I think the reason why I loved them so much is because he leaned into that dorky Edge and Christian side. And anybody that knows me, Edge and Christian are my favourite tag team of all time for that yeah, very reason. Yeah. You know, regardless of what they do in the ring, that's irrelevant. You know, even though they could go in the ring, it was second. It was what they were doing in promos. Yeah. You know, before matches, five second pauses, yada yada yada. You know, and bad influence kind of lifted that dorky side, but they made it their own. And fucking hell, they were just so good. Give me a dorky tag team any day, I'll fucking enjoy them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be Motor City for me if it were going to be any of them. But yeah, you, you, oh, you are fucking hell, yeah, good choice. Yeah, yes, you, you, bad influence. It was just hard not to like them. You know what I mean? No, I think. I think uh, Motor City had gone by this point. They I think Chris have, had, I think, they, yeah. 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 Or at least one of yeah. them had gone. TNA was a weird yeah, time I, back then because you had talent like that and then bloop, they would just disappear the next week and you'd never see him again. He's <laughs> if you re the fuck out of me. <laughs> it's kind of like AEW these days as well. Mm, mm. That that really annoys me. It's like so they bring in certain people and you never fucking see them again after that. Yeah. Like, well, they'll t- they'll sign people, but then unless you're watching Dark Elevation, you're not really seeing them, and it's like, you know, you got to be. Like, I've said it before. AW really needs to trim the fat. You know, you know, you gotta you gotta stop signing people. Yeah. You can't you can't just keep signing any big name that just just gets released or you know or just end up free. It, it's it's really really hard when you've got all these names and you're getting very top heavy and very bottom-heavy, and you just ain't got the time in the world to put everybody on TV, and people just sat there in the wings waiting for a chance, and then you're having Brian Cage's wife put a complaint on Twitter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to... You don't want unrest like that, and you've 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 had it. You had it with Big Swole. You've had it, you know, you've had it with Brian Cage. You've had it You've had it with a handful of people. Uh, today, even today, it's come out, Miro is just waiting for creative... Hmm. he's had an injury he's got himself sorted and he's just been waiting on creative and it's like how do you not put that guy on TV well we just signed another big guy you know who can do that do that that style and more in Keith Lee yeah. and it's like yeah you kind of like you're for, pushing people aside for new talents all the time and it's not fair you've got to if, if I'm running AEW I'm looking at I'm looking at a roster and I'm like alright 
do we really need this guy? Do we really need that guy? Do we really, you know? And it's not just German people for the sake of German people. Like fucking WWE just generally does. It's actual German people that you're not using. Yeah. And let them go somewhere else and make money. Yeah. Because you know they can't. I know they get to go on the indies, but the indies isn't making money what they could be making in AEW by being on TV. Mm. But you know you give them an opportunity to go to Impact, to go to New Japan, to go to always other promotions. Yeah, it is sad that AEW have actually gone a little bit like that because you, I didn't expect them to, to to overdo it, but I think they have at this point. Yeah, I hate to say this as well. Like, I'm probably being a bit of a hypocrite after after how we signed off in 2021, but at this point, you know, AEW is getting a lot like WCW <laughs> in that you know somebody comes up in the WWF and they're like oh I think we'll just offer him a contract all the while you've got the undercard that are working their ass off but I suppose this is just a fucking fact of life isn't it? it's just a wrestling thing to do um, I mean it's a real yeah. fucking shame just going back to what you yeah. were saying about TNA you, you're so the 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 angle uh, cage match if I remember correctly were against Anderson they were in a, uh, 2013 were it yes yeah yeah so I went I went this is on uh, 83 weeks last week i went the previous year with uh, a couple of mates and everything like that and um the 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 manchester show that we actually ended up going to ended up being hulk hogan's very last match ever uh okay now i know <laughs> bischoff and conrad are on this podcast saying um if anybody's still got the ticket stub and i have my ticket stub dude it's knocking about so i've been trying to find it i know it's in this house somewhere but right now everything's all over the gaff uh, and i'm like ho 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 so I'm thinking about, is this the golden ticket that gets the Nitrogen podcast onto the Conrad Thompson podcast network? <laughs> <laughs> like, I will give you this ticket stub if you'll make us semi-famous. Like, I think you that's say, a fair deal. You say fucking golden ticket, I just have to expect Conrad Thompson just to turn up, you know, and just say, uh, you know, you get nothing! <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually, like, oh yeah, you can have the Conrad fucking uh, podcast network. Yeah. I can just see him. And then it become it just becomes the Mark Podcast Network. I think there's no more wrestling name than the Mark Wrestling po- uh, Podcast Network. That's it. The 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 smart <laughs> smart Mark I'd go for. Smart Mark. Or I don't know, man. I I'd use the Nitrogen. I'd call it the Nitrogen Podcast Network. It just sounds cool, doesn't it? You know. <laughs> but yeah, that's um that's been my excitability for the for for this week and I still haven't found the stub, so Jesus like, Christ! <laughs> went to the went to the thing beforehand, you know the the, the meet and greet and stuff. I've got all the autographs. I know where the autographs are. They're in a little book, but fuck knows what I've done with the stub. They're not in with my gig stubs. They're obviously packed away with some wrestling stuff somewhere that's probably in the attic. So that's our fucking fame and fortune, there, Bry. It's that's our fucking that's that's our fucking. I'm telling you, that's our meal ticket. It's getting us fucking sin. Yeah, Jesus Christ! You're gonna be doing all these do-backs on the fucking podcast now. It's like any time we mocks anybody on the on the Combat podcast, podcast Network, take that out. Well, that's alright because later on I call Eric Bischoff a dickhead. So <laughs> natural. Oh my god! <laughs> I just I just remembered that fucking rant that you went on. You called him a fucking paedophile. Oh, early days nitrogen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh Jesus Christ! Come on. I mean, the shaky early days. If if if, if a man that worked in the wrestling business took this sort of thing seriously, like there's something wrong in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> just don't take it too seriously, man. We, we, we're saying things just to get heat. Just you know, I'm... just try and pop the pop the people. We're not we're not going overboard. We're not actually genuinely calling him a fucking paedophile. We're not. You are, but you're not actually <laughs> saying that. It's just uh, it was just like calling somebody a nonce. Like that's it. You're not yeah. actually, you're not implying that the you know 
they actually are that. It's yeah, just uh, yeah. people who know me I'm... know that like when I get angry, also, I call people pedophiles. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of fucking words to be calling people. This isn't fucking Kenny Omega actually telling people the fucking pedophiles for having a child. True. Fucking brother, bitch. True. Or, or, or Jim Cornette calling him a pedophile because he wrestled a fucking nine-year-old in Japan. True. With the consent of her fucking parents and the kid as well. Mm. So, you're not a pedophile. No. That that were that were real that. Um, no, I yeah, heard. I fucking, heard. <laughs> yeah. Naughty. Um. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not that kind of thing. It was just like a, a rant and word came out and it's like, you know, uh, we here at Rock Bottom apologise for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you probably just got sued by the WWE for saying Rock Bottom. Oh, shit. <laughs> fuck, fuck. Oh, well, never mind. Bad publicity. Gr- publicity all the same. Or Matt Groening's just going to fucking like, right, that's it. You know, uh, I've spoken to the Disney execs. We are revoking your Disney Plus account. Uh, you will never be able to sign up. You will never watch an episode of The Simpsons again. Uh, unless you're on Sky 1 or Sky fucking Showcase or whatever it is now. And <laughs> usually they play the later later episodes that I fucking shit. Suffer. Suffer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have them all on Blu-ray anyway. Uh uh, who fucking has Blu-rays knocking around these days? Yeah, I think mate, I've got like two Blu-rays. Honestly, I think you know, I think the digital age is over, mate. Uh, you heard it you here think? first. Like fucking CD sales are up fucking four hundred percent. Vinyl sales are up three hundred percent. Cassette uh, sales are up eight hundred percent on the previous year. You know, telling yeah, you. Yeah, I think. I think it's more a case of the retro thing. Things are in like that, and the you know, but the digital age isn't going anywhere because there is a convenience side to it. It's like if you're fucking travelling from the one end of the country to the other by a train, you're gonna have to take like a really really heavy laptop with a Blu-ray player just to watch your thing, and it's kind of like, well, you know what? I've got this. I got the streaming service. Uh, I can download through the streaming service. Bam, 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 boom. You know, and and the cost of fucking Blu-rays these days. Like, it's it's just... They're about four quid after about four weeks of release. They're nothing, honestly. Yeah. They're absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's just... If you want, if you, it, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more towards box sets than the actual yeah. single films yeah, and you. TV. Yeah, but it, then again, you're, like buying you a, buy the box you're buying a box set for the fucking special content. No, you're not buying uh, it for the content anymore. You're buying it for the special... Like, I'm looking at the X-Files one because obviously the X-Files is done and dusted now, so no more. Yeah. I'm looking at that Blu-ray box now, which is about 85 quid on Amazon just for all the, the the content like yeah i mean there is there is other reasons to actually own that kind of thing yeah. but it's like you know you have to be a super fan to be able to want to own things like and that, you're you saying know? you're not a I simpson mean, super fan oh no i fucking am but you know <laughs> the, all, i i can find all that fucking commentary stuff on on youtube and everything nowadays yeah. it's all all out there to fucking find um and if you think that Disney aren't going to eventually put that on Disney Plus, you're fu- you're, you're fucking kidding yourself. Of course they're going to put that on on Disney Plus. They, they will eventually just have like Simpsons special. You, if you look at Disney Plus and you look at all the Simpsons stuff that they've got there now, yeah, surely there's going to be special content, commentary tracks, things like that. Mm. Like, they'd have to be eventually. Well. I don't know. I'm I'm siding with I, the digital age going. I, I think it's Zuckerberg's fault. He's going to pull Facebook out of Europe, and people are just going to realise. Well, actually, we're going to have to go back to radio anyway, and that's, <laughs> we're just going to go backwards. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Do not fucking say that. We are on the digital age. We are part of the digital age. We have a podcast. No, it's fine. Don't keep saying that. Do not fucking. I am touching all the fucking wood possible in my in my loft right now. Like I just do not want the digital age just to go. Even Conrad know? has gone to radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, our golden ticket is going to take us there. 
<laughs> I've got you covered, bro. Nitro 58, 21st of October, <laughs> 1996, from the Mankato. Is that right? Yeah. Mankato Civic Center in Minnesota. Um, I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 just read, I just read Minnesota. I'm like, yep, yeah, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, 4,000. It's like this point, what, what, what is the fucking name of the arena? Don't care. <laughs> like half the time, they don't even announce where they fucking are. I have to walk it up. So, yeah, I'm taking, you know, they're in Minnesota. I'm taking your word for it. So, Minnesota. Mankato, Manjaro. I don't fucking Manjaro. care. Manjaro. <laughs> 4,034 people in attendance. This ain't a sellout, guys. There's probably about 700, 600 seats available here there and everywhere we could probably put that down to jerry lawler um commentary from the usual suspects starting off with larry Zabisco and tony shivani um and i'll take a break <laughs> I, I, I just oh, yeah. love it i love it when it's the first the first match of the card and it's just like straight in boom brian's taking over uh just to add there was a, there, there was a dark match uh, eddie guerrero defeated robbie rage so there you go Bro, uh, robbie rage mm. fucking hell Christ, um, <laughs> that's, not, that's not the worst gimmick we're going to hear tonight. <laughs> oh, it's like no. a top five oh, no. of worst gimmicks in this fucking episode. Yes, yes, we'll get to that. We will get to that, of course. Stick around. <laughs> Vince fucking creamed his jeans in this fucking episode. He was just like, "I like that." In 1996, he's like, "I'm gonna, I want that, but I can't do it now because WCW have done it." Yep, <laughs> we'll do it, and we'll do it better. <laughs> Right, first match of the night is Bobby Eaton versus Chris Jericho. Uh, gotta say, this match is quite an odd pairing, you know, because you know Eaton is a solid hand, and Chris Jericho is already very good in 1996. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I I, I, go, I went into this thinking, you know what, this could be a good match. It doesn't really look much on paper, like people just go, ah, yeah, it's Bobby Eaton, part of the Blue Bloods, not part of the Blue Bloods anymore. Bit aged, can't be can't be anything special. Uh, but no, um, I I I had a very, very good feeling about this match going in, and I wasn't let down, I'll tell you that. Uh, as as Jerry Cole is making, uh, making his way to the ring, he goes to the barricade at ramp side, and he just gets mobbed by the fans. Uh, you get a yellow card for that nowadays. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just expected Nick Patrick just to run out with their fucking yellow card. <laughs> or, that, or that geezer from Gladiators. Uh, forget his name. Oh, I forgot his name. Uh, I know you're on about shit. Not, not John Fashionu. No. Oh, that's a different kind of geezer. Um, yeah, that, John Anderson. W- w- Is that Adam? it? John Anderson. Gladiators ready. Uh, I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, that's it's got to be uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Before the opening bell, Tony announces a commercial break, and Jericho looks really confused. <laughs> looks right yeah, to looks- the camera. Yeah, right to the camera, like, okay, you know. <laughs> it, it was a bit fucking weird. Yeah. Like, why why a commercial break there? You've been on for two fucking minutes, and it's like, oh, we're knackered. We need to go for a break, guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, really fucking weird. <laughs> Before we start, we see Six and the NWO Sting and the NWO, what I call the NWO position that debuted last week. Yeah. Apparently scouting talents, is what the commentary says. Then we hear the ring bell, which is possibly broken, as it sounds like someone is tapping a spoon against the ceramic baking tray. It's just like, clink, clink, clink. I thought that was really funny. I don't know why. We begin with the lock uh, with lockups and stangings. Uh, stanging. 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 I can't fucking say oh, standing man, it's anymore. Be one of the episodes, isn't it? I've got to get in shape, brother. Uh, I'll try that again. We begin with lockups and standing submission exchanges. 
There's some really good off-the-ropes cruiserweight-style chain wrestling, which Jericho gets the better of, but it was impressive to see Eaton participate in. Eaton manages a power slam and a pin attempt after a wrestle period, but Jericho is soon back in control with that beautiful triangle dropkick. Eaton mounts a comeback with a hangman right in front of a watching Nick Patrick, who does absolutely nothing. <laughs> That's a disqualification, isn't yeah. it? Well, I'm glad that he didn't disqualify him anyways. Tony says Eaton used the top rope like a deity. Whatever the fuck that is supposed to mean. It's like, he used it like a god, folks. Like, what? Really? <laughs> he didn't say that. That was just my interpretation. Back inside, Eaton is firmly in control. There's a flurry of right hands until they simultaneously land punches to each other, resulting in an incredible double down spot, which is like two fucking drunks just flopping to the ground. Yeah. I thought it were really, 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 really good. Yeah. We get a great exchange outside where Jericho throws Eaton into the ring post, then attempts a back elbow, but Eaton ducks out of the way, resulting in Jericho crashing right into the post, which looks really gnarly. Everton, fucking hell, it's getting even worse. Eaton hits a slick swinging netbreaker from a rebound in the corner, then a diving knee after knocking Jericho off the top, but Jericho kicks out of the resulting pin attempt. Jericho goes up top and hits a sweet as you like missile drop kick. One, two, three. Chris Jericho gets a win in just over seven minutes. Um, that was actually a pleasantly surprising match. Like, uh, it just seems like there wasn't really a lot going on to take into account. There was a few restful periods because Bobby Eaton, that's his style. Slow the pace down. It's that classic 80 style, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it doesn't take away from the match at all. No. But really, this underscores what I was saying on the last episode, Mark, in that the veterans are best served working with the younger guys. You know, just to teach them a few things and put them over. And they served its purpose. And it helps that Eaton who's, like, like I said, his style is the slower 80s style work the body parts, I think. It, it's, it helps that he could hang with the younger opponent, yeah. the younger and faster opponent, I should say, yeah. uh, really well, and didn't look at all out of place. And it was an enjoyable opener. It was. It was really enjoyable. Good. It was pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I texted you last night saying that I had to watch it again just to make sure that, you know, I wasn't fucking going crazy. I'm like, was that really fucking as good as what I thought it were? <laughs> I, I, I watched it back and I was like, you know what? You know, I've already taken my notes of this, and yeah, really, really good match. Mm. Yeah, it were it were all right. I mean, uh, again, with the NWO being there, it kind of threatened to overshadow the uh, the fact that the two people in the ring are competent. Uh, but yeah, that 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 sort of old school heavyweight versus kind of cruiserweight dynamic, I never really thought like it could work up until probably doing this for you, to be fair. And now all of a sudden, it clicks in my head that that is it can be made to work because it, it, it's almost as if it makes Chris Jericho look like even more of a high flyer because yeah. Bobby Eaton's going to be grounding like, him, him down. And it's not like he did most of the work either. You can kind of expect oh, the cruiserweight's going to be flying around and the, the bigger guy's either not going to be being knocked off his feet or mm. you know he's just not going to sell or, or what have you. Or just like they're, they're going to do all the selling and then mount a comeback and either win or there's going to be something screwy or... The, the younger competitor gets a lucky break with a roll-up. You usually expect that. Yeah. Like, and Eaton is like, we, got, we when he passed away, he sadly passed away last year, mm. and when when we were reading all these obituaries, people were just saying what a kind walk he really was, and he would give ev- everything to his opponents in the ring and make sure that they, they get get the shit in and get over it. But, you know, whilst, whilst maintaining his own work, of course, and this is a prime example of that. Yeah. Yeah, like he he knows that Chris Jericho's the future, and he's the past of his days that are coming up, and he he gave him a lot. Oh, sorry, he gave him he gave him just as much as what he used, and you know, let him get his shit in as well as getting his own shit in, and it was a really competent performance yeah. from both both competitors, and it looked like that 
both either either competitor could have won that match. Yeah. But you know the right outcome was Chris Jericho winning. But if he if he lost, it wouldn't have harmed him one little bit. On the on the performance alone, it wouldn't have harmed him a bit. What would have harmed him is the fact that it's so early in his career in WCW, and I don't think he's really had a loss so far. Did he lose against Arn Anderson? And I think it were to like screwy, uh, yeah. screwy circumstances, yeah. weren't it? Yeah. yeah. But which you can have, you can you can say okay, well it's fucking Arn Anderson, of course. Yeah. You know, but he hasn't had much, uh, had many losses, and he's he's riding a wave of momentum. Whereas to Bobby Eaton, it could kill it. You know, it could cut it short, but. You know, if if it hadn't, I think he would have been okay. Okay, but probably better that he did win. Yeah, and I'm glad that he did win. I'm I'm pretty gutted that I I've overlooked Bobby Eaton's uh, matches over the years. To be honest, um, like I'd be he goes. I'd be top. really interested. Go on. I'd be really interested to go back and watch some of his older stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this he seems to appear quite a lot on Saturday night. So the odd foray into into Saturday night might be might be an option. Uh, when when the right opponent comes along, because I do keep an eye on those results. But um, the fact that the guy did a fucking top rope leg drop is just astound- astounding. To me. when he went to the top rope against Jericho for the finish, like I thought, oh, he's gonna do the fucking leg drop here. Like, and but he never did. He went for the knee drop instead. Like, just the guy's a fucking well, I was a, a complete fucking nutcase. Because <laughs> that's gotta yes. be the most dangerous moving fucking well up there with a fucking power driver, if you ask me. Like, yeah, it's all spine. I- yeah, and, and at the end of the day, it's like it's not. It, it, you think the knee drop is uh, a dangerous move? The leg drop is a dangerous move as well. Like yeah. landing on your fucking tailbone. Yep. You wrestlers will tell you, veterans will tell you not to do that anymore. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, it, it's a miracle we never got fucking seriously injured. Mm. You know, I mean, there were there were reports a few years ago that fucking Matt Hardy's, I don't know, fucking his tailbone were popping out the back of his fucking skull or some shit for doing the bloody tailbone, <laughs> doing the leg drop for so many years. You know, he had a really, really bad te- uh, tailbone injury and he was on the cusp of retirement at one point wow. as a result. He's managed, you know, he's overcome it. And to be fair, we would have seen him quite recently. He doesn't really do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Which is a good fucking thing. Of course Because you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing it. No, no. If you're going to do it, do it the fucking shit John Cena way. You know, just like land on your opponent and then just flop forward. <laughs> Whilst they're standing up. Not when not when they're laid down. You know, when they're, when they're sta- standing up, punch over, just do a shitty fucking leg drop. Just slightly catch them, front row, there, safe. That's the safest way to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's also the shittest way to do it. Yeah, it doesn't do look that. good, does it? No. <laughs> uh, Dean Malenko versus Jimmy Graffiti. Speaking of shit. Uh, <laughs> are, are, we, are we actually going to overlook that uh, promo, by the way, from Jericho? Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah f- sorry, I forgot about that. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't write it down. <laughs> I'll, run, you'd, uh, I'll cover it. I'll run through yeah. it because uh, uh, Mark's had a really long day, folks. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a bad promo in terms of confidence and bravado, is it? No. I think the verbiage is quite generic, though, and he does stumble over a couple of his words, but... He's got the confidence, eh? He, he knows what he wants to say, what he wants to get across, and he challenges six to a match, which I'm really fucking looking forward to, because, like, they had a... Well, when Chris Jericho went to WWE uh, first time around, he was working with, with uh, six, X-Pac, you know, whatever you want to call him, quite a bit at the beginning, and the, the matches worked really great, and Chris Jericho got a lot of flack for it, because... X-Pac was seen as like the standard bearer in WWE like if you can't have a good match with him then they're going to see you as you know they're going to see you as useless that you can't have a good match with anybody right you know and maybe that's a wrong perspective but that's a perspective they had but you know Jericho you know he managed to get himself over and then in 2000 they revisited uh, a couple of matches he had a, a couple of matches on pay-per-view 
Uh, one was one was just a standard match, and the other a cage match, and they were two really, really fucking good matches. And that's in a slower paced company, right? So in a faster paced WCW style, it can't be anything but a barn burner, really, can it? That's the hope. Well, that's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. And that is to come next up, Halloween Havoc. Um, yeah, we're obviously going to be covering it, guys, so you uh, stay tuned. I had to admit that it was at Halloween Havoc, so yes. that's, that's piqued my interest a little bit. Yeah, so we don't have long to wait. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then there's a video package on Rayman Studio that, that, that is set to what sounds like the theme of a scrapped 80s cop show. Yeah. <laughs> and I really wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what that theme was. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a network television. A lot of the what the theme tunes that they've given to wrestlers have been what they were going to use for some kind of TV show. So, yep. yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Jimmy Graffiti. Jimmy Graffiti <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how shit do you think Jimmy Graffiti is as a gimmick? Uh, well, I said he looks like the love child of John Cena and the Brooklyn Brawler. So there you go. Yeah, that's that probably <laughs> nails it. Bang on. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say really. Uh, no, um, it, it, his look is really fucking bad. Like, he's wearing a cap, a shirt that is five times the size of him, which is ironic because it actually says XL on it. I'm like, mate, that's a triple XL. <laughs> like, why would you have XL in graffiti on the fucking front of your shirt? No. You know? No. Uh, he's wearing jorts with some kind of graffiti, and the worst, the worst trainers I've ever seen. Like, it just looks like graffiti. Graffiti trainers, well, that's what they're going for, but they just look awful. It just kind of looks like they're wrapped in Christmas wrapping paper to me. <laughs> and he's got all this blue, black shit on his hands to make it look like he's, um, you know, he, 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 he's a graffiti artist. Yeah, he he's not fucking Banksy, put it that way. Yeah. yeah, he paints. It's like, well, if you're getting fucking paint all over your hands, then you must be really shit at graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, it's fucking spray paint. What, uh, all, all I could call the gimmick is. You know, paper boy, because that's what he looks like. He's doing like the way he's dressing yep. everything, yep. and the fucking ink on his hands. He looks like he's been handling fucking Daily Mail's all day. <laughs> he's a paper boy. He's a paper boy. Do you actually know who Jimmy Graffiti is? No, I don't. Apparently, it's Jimmy Del Rey. Do you know the name? No. Jimmy Del Rey. He was a a wrestler. He was a tag team wrestler from the eighties. Uh, one half of the Heavenly Bodies, which is a name name that I know. And I, I recognised the name Jimmy Del Rey when I looked him up. Um. Uh. Yeah. One half of the Heavenly Bodies with Tom Richard, uh, brother of the non-cunt Bruce Richard. Um, yeah, uh, they were quite quite a well-known tag team in the late 80s. Well, uh, a bit journeyman, right? But, yeah. you know, the, the name Heavenly Bodies is one that rings a bell. Yeah. I think that gimmick has been done a couple of times over. I think Chris Candido was part of the Heavenly Bodies at one point. Right. There's something of the sort. I, I, I might be completely fucking wrong, I think, but I think they really did the gimmick. So, anyway, when you hear Heavenly Bodies, what do you think, Mark? What do you think? Well, you think Lex Luger and Lex Luger, don't you, really? Yeah, yeah. So, like Lex Luger, glamour muscles, you know, doing a lot of hot dogging and ham-fisted wrestling and shit like that. Uh, you don't want to expect uh, fucking John Cena when he's 13 doing a paper round. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but now that you've said that, I've got I've got to give him his due. You know, he, he obviously and again competent wrestler. Um, Jesus Christ, I felt so fucking guilty for ripping on him. <laughs> <laughs> for a guy that I expected to do a lot of uh, you know slow stuff and all that, he's really fucking good. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, Hammerlocks and yeah. armlocks to start. Uh, leg trips and a cartwheel. I, I, I do have to point out one thing. Yep. How old do you think Graffiti is here? If you look at him in his face... Shit, going off what you've just said now, he's got to be fucking touching 50. But, I mean, right. I kind of well, did think, like, 
old man, young the older, corpse. So the older person in this match is Dean Malenko. Really? By two years, yes. Malenko is thirty six here, and I'll fucking shot that he was thirty six. I'm like, okay, early thirties, not thirty fucking six. And Graffiti is thirty four. Fucking thirty four! Holy hell! Yeah, and they're both eleven year veterans at this point as well. They both debuted in nineteen eighty five. Wow. But he does look like shit, does graffiti. The clothes don't help, but even then, when you see his, uh, you do see his shirt roll up at one point in the match, and he quickly pulls it down, yeah, yeah. and no fucking shit, because he's got a lot of flab there. Yeah. He had a heavenly body, but he's not a heavenly body anymore. No, well, I saw that at the end, so um, let's let's get through it. Uh, yes. <laughs> leg trips and a cartwheel with a side headlock takeover from Dean before backing him into the corner. Uh, drop toe hold after a shove doesn't keep Jimmy down long. Uh, another drop toe hold and a front face lock from Dimalenko. Clothesline attempt is reversed into a DDT from Jimmy, which looks pretty good. Elbow drop gets a two count. Uh, sit out powerbomb gets a two count. Uh, in for a clothesline, but Dean ducks, but he doesn't duck the super kick. That's a two count as well. De- really good super kick as well. Yes, we're good. Uh, Dean very on- snappy. Sorry, very snappy. That's what I said. Very snappy. <laughs> uh, Dean on top now after Jimmy rushes into the corner and ends up on the floor after initially almost ending up in the laps of the commentators. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you hear what the commentary said? Um, um, <laughs> I think it was Larry wearing it. Ba- yeah, basically. <laughs> but, uh, Tony says he's nearly in the laps and Larry is fucking indignant. He, he just says, in your lap maybe, I'm out here. This is an expensive suit. Yeah. <laughs> and then when Graffiti actually does flop out, uh, flop out of the ring. He actually looks like a drunk being thrown out of the pub, yeah. just like tripping over the curb the way he just flops back. Yeah. <laughs> it, actually, it looked like he were going to be in for a world of trouble. He manages to protect himself. Uh, doesn't quite do that in a couple of moments' time. Yeah, yeah. Um, back in the ring, snapper, elbow, and uh, reverse ching lock from Dean as the NWO Sting voyeuristically films everything from the stands. Uh, a whip drop kick attempt from Jimmy Fails. Side suplex gets two for Dean. Desperate attempt at a pin from Jimmy is a two, but Dean is still on top. A whip in, a single leg drop kick, I think it was, close to the ropes for a two. Um, it came really fucking snappy, that as well. Like He only had a split second to, to realise that there was going to be a boot in his face and went down. Right hands in the corner, but Jimmy flips it uh, with right hands of his own. Uh, there's a whip over and Dean reverses, and there's a short arm clothesline in the, cor- in the opposite corner. A uh, big vertical suplex from Dimalenko and a Texas Cloverleaf attempt is kicked off with Jimmy kicking and attempting another weak pin. Uh, Dean up and a huge crossbody over the top rope to send them both on the outside. Oh, Risky. Yeah, fucking... Yeah, graffiti landed on his head and his ear. Mm. Like, ooh, like, that must have fucking stung. Yeah. And the commentary claimed that he crashed on his shoulder and hit his head on the rail, but he clearly fucking didn't. No. His head barely scaves the rail and he doesn't land anywhere near his shoulder on his thing. Hey, what, what... I don't know if this was a mistake. I don't know if Malenko was actually at fault for this. But when he's actually on his way down, Malenko's already landed on his feet and quickly as flash, he tugs on his T-shirt. Um, graffiti did get slightly stuck on the rope. Malenko, I think Malenko saw it and quickly did it. And obviously, Graffiti didn't realise what he was going to do and that's why he's landed like the way he did. Yeah. I just think it's miscommunication. I don't think... I don't, Malenko's not dangerous work. He didn't do that if he felt like that's what he was going to do. Hmm. Like he, he, he must have thought... Right, he's trapped, he will just flop to the ground, and he didn't. Mm. Mm. It's just, a, like I said, miscommunication. Yeah, I think so. And like you said about the commentary team as well, being quite emphatic on things happening on the outside. They're, they're, they're overblowing things slightly, aren't they, to, to sort of give it a little bit more drama. But it, it's coming off a bit, I don't know, it, it kind of treats the, the viewer like they're an idiot sometimes. 
Yes. Uh, that happens a couple of times in this show, but I haven't noticed him down, to be honest, but I did notice it. Um, whilst we're on the outside, Dean gets sent into the ring post. Uh, Jimmy does manage to shake the cobwebs and, and get himself up onto the top of the turnbuckle, but Dean cuts him off. Jimmy hits him uh, and... Sorry, hits him and uh, Dean drops, and after an attempt at an awful dropkick, uh, it allows the... Uh, the man of a thousand holds to get the Texas Cloverleaf on to a massive pop uh, and Jimmy quickly taps out and that is where you see the heavenly not so heavenly body uh, <laughs> sort of fucking flabbing on the uh, on, on the canvas but yeah we're, we're not for body shaming <laughs> <laughs> we know that age takes its toll sometimes but the guy's 30 fucking 4 he's like in between me and you sort of thing age range, age range now holy shit uh, man. I am 34 <laughs> oh yeah I, I keep thinking I mean, if you're younger I don't know why yeah I, I'm, I'm kind of like better shape in terms of be- uh, belly but I'm not in better shape in terms of arms <laughs> yeah. but at least I look my fucking age mm, true yeah well, he looks a lot on, actually, it's insane yeah. I can't believe you've told I, me that generally speaking I look younger so there you go yeah Again, Dean I'll with the mask it. going into Halloween Havoc this coming weekend of Rey Mysterio <laughs> Jr. I've got, I've got to mention, you hear what Larry said when he were on his way out with a mask? <laughs> Basically, Larry says, why don't you put Ray's mask on Savage so he can't see Elizabeth anymore? <laughs> right, well, first and foremost, there's fucking eye holes on the mask. Does he even know how these Lucha masks work? <sighs> fucking hell, he must have seen bloody uh, uh, fucking what's-his-face botch so much... Um, Jesus Christ, his name's escaped my head. Sincara? No, 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 no. I, I'm talking WCW. Oh. It's kind of like Jimmy Graffiti with, with uh, sunglasses and a shitty mask. Callow. You know who I'm on about. That's one. Super Callow. Super Callow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he must have been watching too many Super Callow masks. Yeah, they're fucking blind. We'll, uh, we'll hear about Super Callow at the end of this. Um... Oh, is it something I've missed? I'm sure. No, it's, it's not. Some, no, it's I... just the the wrestling news thing. Um, don't worry about oh, it. It's, okay. it's not. It's nothing fucking major, really. Um, next up, DDP versus Sergeant Craig Pickman with uh, Taylor Long player. Um, they're really putting over the diamond cutting now. Uh, they go into split screen video and it has like a repetitive highlight package for multiple people just taking the diamond cutter. Um, I'm, Basically, a YouTube compilation. Yeah, it is, and I, I'm not sure if Mike Murrow's in there or not, but. Uh, I, I have a sneaky suspicion that he was just because WCW likes to put them subtle digs in um, I just fucking tuned out and like yep diamond cutter there diamond <laughs> well you do when there. it goes split screen don't hey, you hey it's a diamond cutter yeah. there when it goes split screen I just tune out anyway fuck yeah um, yeah uh, so yeah I, I didn't really pay attention to who was actually doing it but now that you mention it I do actually see it a guy in white like white trunks and red and it's going down and all that but I think it easily could have been Eddie Guerrero it could have been yeah it could have been um, I mean from the back you just see red and white yeah well white and red just say uh, it's like well Mark Miro was wearing that, those colours as well yeah. and similar hairstyles on the back yeah it could have been either yeah uh, just noted that Craig Pittman gets pyro DDP didn't yeah it's, so it's like gunshot pyro um, however like the, the the character F- that Pitman's fun. got, I kind of want him to have like PTSD flashbacks. So like this fucking gunfire going off in the background, like, they just like drop like Eric, rolls like, and stuff. Yeah, like Eric Young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'd be fucking great. Like, that'd be so so funny. Or, or Sting, or Sting. Like, oh fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the pyro. It says a lot about the man when he gets pyro and the fans boo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we must boo, boo pyro at this point, though. To be fair, like if we've been yeah, seeing so, all these shows, we'd be like boo to the pyro. See, there you go. You should lay into that character with PTSD. People boo and they go, "Oh fuck, the Tyrant. 
Yeah, uh, I, I just, I'd love to see it just once. I think it'd be great. It'd probably be the, yeah. the end of Craig Pittman as a wrestler being taken seriously, but fuck it, it's worth it. Um, yeah. I mean, who gives a fuck about Sergeant Craig Pittman? At this point, like, I don't even know why he's on Nitro. He must be working on the undercards. Yeah, don't, don't, don't think he's a great wrestler by any means. He has a solid submission, and that's about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. He looks painfully generic. Yep. And he's aligned with Teddy Wong, and apparently Craig Pittman's supposed to be a fucking heel here. I mean, he turned heel months ago. Yeah. And Teddy Wong, yet again, he doesn't know whose side, side he's on. He's fucking siding with faces and heels. Right, really fucking weird. It is. Um, Go- I, I really hope that this feud with Nick Patrick is just a long con to get Teddy Wong to become a referee again. Maybe that's why he became a referee in WWE. Like, with his fucking left, he goes, I'll show you how it's done, player. Yeah. <laughs> Pittman, for some reason, turns his back on DDP. Uh, and DDP takes full advantage, as you would. Just like there's no logic in this. Like Teddy Long just stares on the apron and Pittman just turns around and whatever. Uh he, yep. he bashes Pittman into Long, Long gets sent flying off the apron, and DDP with the onslaught of uh, strikes and clotheslines. There's a side slam, uh kicks while he's on the floor, a choke on the ropes, variation of a tombstone falling forward for a two count. Oh god, <laughs> that was sick. Yeah. Uh, I just called it um uh, a face plant pile driver. Nice. Yeah, makes sense. There was, I, I don't I know there's another name for it but I can't remember it mm. it's like if people listen to me and also realise yeah I don't fucking know the names of moves I just I do generally forget a lot of them like, <laughs> I'll, I'll remember, I'll, I, I will remember I mean like I, I, I knew I learned all the wrestling moves from playing the old Smackdown games yeah. and now nowadays it's like if I'm watching wrestling on TV I listen to comedy called moves and all that but when you've got fucking Jim Ross calling name, uh, names of moves wrong it's easy to easy to get confused but like I'll, I'll forget these names and I'll wake up in a cold sweat it's like oh that's a that's a pal driver like you know just I just genuinely fucking forget yeah but where the fuck did the Toy Pacer Receder come from like uh, Excalibur well yeah obviously comes from him but like people have been doing that move for fucking years and it's not called a Toy Pacer Receder it, it, it was more Toy Pacer Receder in like Lucha Libre and the places like that you know like just generally, Lucha Libre, some, some promotions would actually use it. Like the main, mainstream promotions didn't use it. And now Excalibur, he used to do it. He were on commentary for PWG and he used to set up his suicide there as well. Okay. So I think it's just kind of like taken off. Like he's an insider. He's a luchador himself, yeah. apparently. Yeah. You know, and I think, yeah. So I, I, I call it Top Ace Suicide now because I just, I, I prefer it really. Yeah. I like it. it. It just rolls off the tongue, Top Ace Suicide. It's like, you know, <laughs> It's like you're just going to go to a Spanish restaurant and yeah, yeah I'll have a top here so we like, no, and I don't mean that a meal I mean like as a fucking real specialty drink <laughs> yeah I'll have a top here so we see one that will fucking knock you out straight away yeah get you get you thrown out over the fucking bar well if you want more and you you throw yourself over the bar I don't know Fuck yeah fl- um, flopping over like Jimmy Graffiti <laughs> well let's talk about this kick out for this too um so the kickout sends DDP onto Nick Patrick, who's uh, obviously counting behind him, uh, to the delight of the crowd, who probably yes. give us a top three pop in this Nitro, just for DDP splashing the back of Nick Patrick. Um, there's immense heat on him for selling the back, and obviously he's, he's, he's kind of saying, my neck, my neck, but my back as well. My neck, like, my back. I was just thinking yeah. that, and I don't want to DDP out well, over the top. I do not want. I do not want to hear Nick Patrick sing that. No, 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 no. Let's quickly move on because oh, the image is entering my brain, and I have uh, intrusive thoughts. DDP over the top out of the ring while Pittman is outside. Um, yeah, he just sort of fucking he skips the ropes, doesn't he, and lands outside near the commentary desk. But 
Pittman's on the other side. Uh, a bit bizarre. I don't get it. It manages. Uh, sorry, Pittman manages to grab DDP and pull him into the ring post. Uh, a quick arm lock on the rope as they go back in, and a cold red armbar applied to DDP. But Teddy Long is on the apron, distracting Nick Patrick. Okay. For no fucking reason. No reason. No, this doesn't make any sense from this point onwards. Pittman has it won. Like DDP's tapping, but DDP squirms to the ropes uh, after tapping out initially. Um, Patrick only sees the rope break. Pittman argues his case justifiably, uh, allowing DDP the chance to catch a breath and get a diamond cutter out of nowhere. Well, it's a three count for DDP. Uh, Pittman and Long get into the ring. Obviously, Pittman's already in the ring. Uh, Long and then, sorry, Pittman and Long get into it in the ring. Then Long and Patrick get into it in the ring. Long says he's not to blame here, but it clearly is. Patrick actually yes. in the right here for a change. Uh, this is further exclaimed at the end of the the match where Tony tries to say that it's Nick Patrick's fault, but ain't nobody having it. Patrick says exactly what happened to be fair to him. Tony then yep. says that he's the NWO referee again after Saturday night because there was another match on Saturday night which they didn't highlight on Nitro. And Patrick threatens Tony with legal action again for the accusation. Right. For once, I'm actually on Nick Patrick's side here. Yeah, 100%. And this, this does come come back into play later on in the night. Mm. Uh, not as blatant, but it's like a subtle little nuance. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is going somewhere. So, yeah, we'll yeah. come back to it. Yeah. After the break... Uh, it's back to the Ric Flair attack a few weeks ago and then the Jeff Jarrett promo from last week even though WCW is telling us that that happened two weeks ago it didn't oh. next up Ron Stud versus the aforementioned Jeff Jarrett uh, this is essentially the Lex Luger thing from a while back I'm facing the Giants so I want to face all the Giants WCW has uh, looks like Jeff Jarrett has spilled coffee down his jailhouse singlet 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 <laughs> Um, it's, not, until it, it's not even a single at this point no it's not uh, and then it, it does pan out and he's got like the gold on the legs as well but like as the camera's zoomed in all I could think like <laughs> he spilled his coffee and here comes Ric Flair of all people uh, the guy just can't stay off the road can he <laughs> no <laughs> even now <laughs> uh, he gives Jarrett the chance to strut once he gets in the ring uh, which Jarrett obviously does Flair removes his blazer quite sensitively with the help from the referee and struts himself with a smile on his face. Jeff is invited to strut again, to booze this time. Uh, Flair struts to raptures of cheers from the crowd. Uh, We square up very briefly and Flair offers his hand to Jeff as a show of respect. They shake hands and he leaves. And Larry says they're in a a north-sized contest now. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a little jab. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Chuckle. The bell uh, rings. I, Go on. I Sorry. just put clearly Jarrett is joining the horseman. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave Meltzer was kind of fucking on the money with this, weren't he? A couple of episodes ago. Um, yeah. The it's bell clear. rings, and so does Studs Bell. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Some... I, I, right. I, I honestly, I've, I've given Big uh, Big Ron Stud a new nickname. I call him Giant Fodder <laughs> because if there if there's somebody. Going up against the Giants at a pay-per-view, guaranteed they are going to face Big Ron Stud on the natural going into that episode, uh, going yeah. into that pay-per-view, yeah. and it's always going to lose. And it's just, it does nothing for, it does nothing for him, and it does nothing for his opponents. No, he gets a payday get, for being tall. Yeah, I'm gonna well put it this way: it's just like, like I said, it, it's just, it's just for the sake of Jeff Jarrett get, getting, well, just his opponent getting a big win before a pay-per-view, and that is exactly what happens here. Yeah. It's like you can't keep telling a David versus Goliath story if the Goliath of the piece is beaten every time and in quick fashion. Yeah. And it's just 
it's just par for the course for his opponents. Mm. It's a guaranteed win. So the mismatch using size is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, fucking. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a big Ron Studd fan here. I'm just saying that you could be doing more with him. You could be. Yeah, you could be doing the giant. You could be doing the giant thing with him, yeah. like you are doing with the giant himself. Yeah. But they're not going to do that because they've already got one giant, and I don't understand that logic at all. It's mm. like mm. You, you know, just because it's all giant's art doesn't mean that it can't be somebody else's art. Without you know, you can you can do that without it looking like you're copying. I mean, you look at WWE right now. It's like they've got Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar, and they've got very similar styles, and they've managed to parlay that into a program of the two, and it doesn't look like they are they're trying to have their cake and eat it. They've actually made that program work. Yeah, you know, despite the fact that they're very similar people, they look very similar styles. Uh, it, it, more impressively, they share the same fucking initials. They've both <laughs> got MMA experience. You know, they both do very similar moves, suplexes, and all that. And you actually, I will tune into WrestleMania to see those two have a program to have that match because mm. I know it would be really, really good. Uh, but even then, like even when they were not in the same same circle, they were still coexisting and. You can do that. I mean, WWE have done it before. They did it with Ken and The Undertaker. Very similar characters, very similar height, very similar movesets. But, you know, they could do the programs together. They could do programs separately. And it fucking worked. They've done yeah. it with other people. They did it with Hogan and Warrior. It's like, you can do this with yeah. the Giant and Big Ron Stud and have Big Ron Stud actually look like a threat in a warm-up for a pay-per-view and not have him lose all the time. You yeah. can have DQ finishes. You can have him going fucking crazy and just plummeting his opponents and making them look like they've got absolutely no hope going into the pay-per-view and then fucking hell, I'm racking, so they're going to win. It looks, it looks even better. Don't have him be fucking giant fodder. It just doesn't work. It just does Jack Jarrett nothing here and it does nothing for Big Ron Stud. It just makes Big Ron Stud look fucking weak. does. Yep, it yeah. does. Um there's a little bit at the again at the end as we recap things that that as you're laying that out uh, makes it, it makes the fact that what they're doing to Ron Stud here illogical. But yep. we'll get to that when we get to it. Just uh, you might have to remind me at the end. But uh, yeah. yeah, all I'm you, saying is you, you can have more than one. You can have more than one giant on your TV show yep. doing the giant stick and make it work. It's actually yeah. more lazy on WC, WCW's creative, but uh, that they haven't actually done that here with Stud. That's it. Like they haven't fucking it, thought. We people, could people, could, yeah, people can call it lazy. It's like, oh yeah, copying gimmick. But it's more lazy to not do that when you've got a legitimate fucking giant. I want to see him stay on his feet. I don't want yeah. to see him fucking getting picked up into a brainbuster or a suplex, fucking <laughs> forty seconds into a match from a guy half his size. No, that's it. And there's no it reason why impre- it couldn't be a, the WCW giant versus the NWO giant it, at some it, point down the yeah. line. Yeah, it looks impressive on Jarrett's part hmm. that he could do that. But you're not even building up to it, which takes it away as well. Yeah, yeah. It just makes it look so seamless. Like, yeah, it gets a it gets a big pop. But in terms of actually putting Jarrett over and putting stood over as a giant, it does fucking nothing. Kevin Nash doesn't leave his feet that often. Kevin Nash isn't the fucking, you know, isn't as tall as being bigger on stud, and yet he does a giant gimmick better. Fucking Scott Hall does a giant gimmick better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not actually being giants, but they do the fucking gimmick better than Big Ron Stud. It's basically correct to say, oh, yeah, you fucking self with this guy, make him look good. Yeah. You know, it's like, you, you're not making him look good and you're making yourself look worse in the process. Oh, honestly, just, it's just so fucking. It is so frustrating. And, yeah. fr- and frustrating. Yeah. But, I mean, Stud must be happy I'm, with what he's doing. He thinks he's going to get a break in and, and take He's going to get a fucking. Getting the payday, isn't he? Yeah, he, I mean, he does. He does 
he does get a payday for it next couple of years let's be honest so he must be happy enough um but yeah i would i would have liked it to be you know you, you could have had him sort of being played up as the wcw giant you know somewhere down the line and then face off against yeah. the giant at a, a, a fucking pay-per-view of some sort like exactly it money it might not draw fucking mega or anything like that but it's a f- giant versus yeah, giant I'm- I'm not saying fucking put the w, uh, WCW strap on him. I'm just no. saying fucking make him look like a bigger deal than what he is. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he's a guy that's fucking, what, seven foot two, but you're making him look like five foot four. Yeah. Just, it's just mental, in it? Well, obviously, Jeff Jarrett, is, 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 his attention is on Ric Flair. So right here and now, you'd think, right, well, okay. If, if Jeff, Jeff Jarrett's going to be a face here, if Ronson's going to come in, he's going to take advantage and he's going to beat him down. Nope, that's not what happens. Um he just clumsily just sort of gets Jeff's attention and Jeff automatically has the upper hand even though he had his back turned to him. Um, I, I, I mean, I think I've skipped quite a bit of this. I got straight into... I mean, There's like fucking very little in this match. I think it's like 45 seconds of Jeff being on top and then uh, Stud gets a, a bit of an advantage. Jeff in a double grip, generic tall man choke lift, which every fucking tall man does. Then all of a sudden you start thinking, well, hang on a minute, maybe there's something here. He throws Jeff off uh, which Jeff had absolutely no option but to bump, like because it was a pretty fucking hefty throw off. Jeff manages to block a vertical using the ropes twice, while as you said, he goes for his own vertical and su- succeeds with Tony's voice going to eleven. Um, yeah, it, it gets a big pop and it gets a fucking commentary going, uh, you know, you know, just fucking all no sound. I'm just and I'm just watching it like when we always folded, like, yep, yeah, you know, impressive, but not really because. No. You're not, you're not building up to it. If, if Jarrett's not struggling, then what's the point? Fucking Lex Luger did more trying to fucking pick up a guy, um, like, not not as high, uh, you know, probably twice his fucking weight in Greg Valentine, but <laughs> nowhere near his height. He had, he had, he, he sold trying to pick him up last week fucking better than this. Yep. And, yeah, he, and, so. it, and, let's, and let's be fucking honest, Jarrett's, uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett, Lex Luger's fucking selling is awful. <laughs> it's absolutely awful. And it was awful, but at least they fucking tried. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, figure four ends this stud screaming. I mean, he's not even just like tapping or he doesn't pin. You know, he's absolutely See, screaming for a guy who, like you said, seven foot two and should be absolutely battering Jeff Jarrett. Right. I, I will say one thing. I was so unbelievable that I didn't even hear him scream. Fucking mm. hell. Yeah. Fucking hell. Jeff, straight up. It's the old oh. V signs in the air, and uh, he says in the camera that he's on his way to heaven, which is not exactly what you want to be saying when you've got the giant in six days. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually missed that. Whatever he said, I missed it because fucking Rip Flair comes in sec- within seconds. But yeah, I'm going to heaven. And it's like. It's like he's fucking. He's accepting that he's a martyr. <laughs> yeah. Tony and Jeff at ringside. Oh. Uh, Jarrett says it's time for him to put up and shut up with WCW putting up some offence at Halloween Havoc. Uh, Savage is taking on Hogan. Or, sorry, sorry, Savage is going to take out Hogan. The outsiders are going down and he's going to take out the Giant. Uh, Flair comes back into the fold here. He, uh, oh he backs God. Jarrett for... Sorry, he backs Jarrett for backing him up. Or, or he thanks Jarrett for backing him up, which is rare because wrestlers usually just get up and crack on. Very, like toxic masculinity type of fucking deal there uh, <laughs> he says the NWO outsmarted the horsemen uh, were dirtier and so far they've won he says that he'll be off the operating table and at Las Vegas in Jeff's corner 
and that he can't wait to get back into the ring with the horseman and kick some NWO ass. Oh my god, this promo is so fucking good. He breathed a lot of life into this whole fucking segment, including the match. Yes, he he breathed new life into the fucking NWO angle. Much much he needed as well. Yeah. Good few weeks off TV's like done it. I I think done it a massive justice as we as well here. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it doesn't fucking slur his words at all. Everything he says was bang on. What I really, really, really liked about this promo, again, it was fucking WCW's production. Like, when it's bad, it's really fucking bad. But when it's really good, when it's good, it's really fucking good. As he's talking about NWO and he's talking about the Giant, it doesn't it doesn't cut to the Giant in the crowd. It does a fading. Yeah, yeah. And he's just watching on. And yeah. stay, they stay there for about four seconds and then it fades back to Rick Flair. Yeah. Boom. Mm. That is what every fucking wrestling show should do. Yep. If you're going to have somebody cutting a promo and somebody else is in the arena, like standing somewhere, looking on, fade in, fade out, because it makes it more dramatic. It makes it, of course it does. actually look like a TV show. Yeah. Not this fucking cutting to a guy in the back just fucking watching on a monitor. I mean, you can do that, but it's over-fucking done. <laughs> it's surprised. A big, <laughs> it's a big, it's a big, it's a massive feud, massive feud, and one guy is out there, the other guy's on the ramp fucking giving it socks, fade in, fade out. It, it adds so fucking much. Yeah. I'm surprised WCW didn't just go split screen. <laughs> They're obsessed. Oh, fucking hell. Now, we love a good, we love a good fade in on the uh, Nitrogen podcast. It, it definitely, well, it was very good. Very good. Well, they did went split, split screen. All you'll see is fucking the giant flabby fucking man boobs. You won't see his head. <laughs> you can't fit him into that screen. They had no options to do the fade in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they cut to him, you're like, ah, it's a giant. Like, the... <laughs> Hour two. Uh, and here we go, guys and girls uh, and everybody in between. It's um, it's Vince McMahon's wet dream. It's Lex Luger versus Roadblock. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Heenan sums this up perfectly as he's coming out. Go on. It's just, I, just something goes, I clearly haven't noted. Oh, he just goes, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> But it's not like uh, it's not like a huge like oh my you know like fucking Godzilla like oh my god what is that he's like what is that you know what I mean it's disgusting yeah. disgusting <laughs> well I I just said robot looks like John Tenter in a wig yeah he does the wig was nice I'm giving him props on the herd here dude to be honest uh, oh, oh he has good hair he yeah has good hair. maybe maybe it's because it just the looks... rest of him doesn't look that good but his no. hair looks all right. Yeah, it obviously, t- you know, he's fucking spends five minutes in the gym, fucking two hours at the buffet table, and five hours fucking dying and straightening his hair. Most so, definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As the same that, hairdresser as Hunter Hearst Helmsley, for sure. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. But, um, I did actually get confused because he said that uh, he's facing Lex Luger, and then you hear the hear Roblox theme, and it sounded way too fucking similar to Luger's. It just sounded like they took Luger's theme and just played it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I won't be surprised if they did that, to be honest with you. Ah, we ain't got a theme for him. Yeah, just do this. Like, it it would just... I was so confused. I thought, oh, Luger's coming out. And then you see this big fucking glue. <laughs> well, that's it back Robo- in With a roadblock on his shoulders. It's like, yeah. ah, that's the gimmick, ah. Like, yeah, you're a roadblock. I get it, yay. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. You'll also be a shitty fucking WWE pay-per-view in about 20 years' time, yay. <laughs> like... Not even 20 years. Oh, man. Yeah, like they fucking went through the WCW like... trademarks here, didn't they? And they just went, that sounds like an ace pay-per-view name, that, even though it's a wrestler's name, Roadblock. Yeah. Yeah, let's have it. Fuck it. Uh, big big pop for Lex on his entrance. Um, oh, he, he always gets big pops, though. 
Yeah. It, it's a given at this point. Yeah. Roadblock straight in and then misses. And that's about <laughs> it. Uh, Luger with the corner mount. I've started calling him Roddy. Roddy with an atomic drop. Lex has no balls, apparently, and clotheslines Roddy out of the ring. Uh, back elbows and uh, head into the ring post. Split screen to Arn, cutting a promo on Lex. He clearly can't hear or see, so what's the fucking point? Elbow drop, misses on Roddy, whilst this promo is still fucking ongoing, which is a standard promo from Arn, actually. I was quite disappointed. Lex yep. clearly didn't fancy taking a powerbomb, so he moved Roddy over to the ropes and got him to clothesline him instead. <laughs> There's a two count from that. It's... Yeah, if, if Lex Luger's the ring general, you know you're fucked up. I, I wouldn't mind, but the... F- <laughs> The, uh, oh, oh, right, let me get to the end of this. And I, I've just thought it's <laughs> really fucking annoying me, actually. Um, into the corner, and there's a big splash from Roddy. Shoulder strikes in a forearm to the back and whipped to the other corner, but Lex comes out with a flex. Uh, forearms, then a scoop slam. Lex signals for another rack, but can't get him up, so drops him twice. Like, dro- full on drops him. Like, I ain't even right. being delicate about this. Like, right. just drops him. The so, first one is the worst. Yes. Because he just gets him up and he just goes, oh, I'll just let you go. Right. I, 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 at this point, I really got pissed off because Roadblock, you'll give fucking Roadblock the giant treatment. You have fucking <laughs> yeah. struggle to pick him up, but you can't fucking do anything like that for Big John Studd. Big yeah. Ron Studd, sorry, Big John Studd. Fucking hell. Uh, that was his uh, trainer, weren't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't fucking do that for Willie Ron Studd, but you can do it for fucking Roadblock. Yeah, yeah. Also, by the way, Luger, last week, I uh, can't pick anybody up. I've got all my ribs, all my back. Oh, yeah. I've got a Nicky tummy. Now yeah. it's like he's miraculously fucking recovered. So what was the point of that injury angle if he's just recovered within a week? I did think that he was meant to drop him twice, obviously, for that reason. But you keep yeah. the tape on, wouldn't you? Like, keep the tape yeah, on the exactly. ribs make it yeah, obvious. Yeah, you ain't got the tape on. If you ain't, ain't got the tape on, at least yeah. just, like, get some get some makeup and make it look bruised at least. But no, yeah. none of the fucking sort. Ah, yeah, fine now. Good to go. It is. It if, is they not, do, if they do the fucking injury angle at the pay-per-view, I'm actually going to be really annoyed. Yeah. Because, you know... And and you know what? It actually might not be on WCW. It might be on Let's Go being a fucking incompetent jackass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's hot. He's hot. Um, it is noted during this match that Roblox like one of the one of the local indie talents and he's been on the circuit for a while or something like that. But You said um, talent. Yeah, there is that. Um, I'm on a bike, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say might be a good hairdresser. That might so, be it. So yeah, the, the fact the fact that Lex didn't want to take that power bomb, so he kind of oh, shifted gee. everything around, and then goes and drops this guy twice. Like, oh, he's so unprofessional. See, whatever you're saying right now is just blurred because I just got this image of Rob blocking the fucking hairdressers now. No, no. I'm I'm fighting Lex Luger on Monday night. Ooh, yes. Beef, beefcake in background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just cutting somebody's hair. You know, like, oh, I need. I think I might. You know, I got this big match coming up against Lex Luger on Monday night. I might just get my hair just dyed like yours. You look so beautiful. You know. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! I'm gonna oh. get. You, I'm gonna get in trouble if I continue. Could be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. Third time is the charm, and Roddy is quitting quicker than the ex-Tory MP Angela Richardson over the handling of Partygate. Um, <laughs> next up, quick NWO shirt advert and Lee Marshall on the road. Eric's mate, as, right. as he said last week, <laughs> who's in Arizona apparently watching the sunset. <laughs> Yeah, I just said another personal call to Tony the Tiger. Yes. <laughs> I, mate, I, I personally call Tony the Tiger if he were on speed dial. Um, yeah, it, at least fucking lay into the fucking Tony the Tiger gimmick and make it interesting. It's like, you know, uh, what do you think the natural in Buddy Arizona is going to look like next week? It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. I you wouldn't know, have minded that. that. I'm going to presume Except- that there's a patent on it. 
I mean, yeah. Kellogg's must have that. Yeah, well, as if WCW aren't fucking lifted heavily from other things before. You Very know, fucking true. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you just make Lee Marshall go, it's above average. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and that's Larry the Lion saying, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's uh, obviously he- uh, promoting next week's Nitro, uh, and there is a, a bit of a zinger from Heen in the area who says quietly yeah. under his breath. <laughs> Should he should be left in the desert? Yeah, they should take him and leave him in the desert. <laughs> and Bischoff's like, "Well, that's not very nice, is it? He's my friend." <laughs> oh no, you upset his friend. My oh, friend, Tony the Tiger friend. Oh dear. You know, I, I I just hope that you know you know where uh, people put the phone down, but the other people keep the phone up and they can still hear what he said on the other side. <laughs> I just hope he's just fucking. You know, I, I just have this image on the head. He's still on the line. He hears that, and he just you know. Uh, presumably cried, cried in his into his fucking bowl of frosties. Like, oh. <laughs> Bobby Heenan fucking ups. Bobby Heenan said he should be going to the desert. <laughs> That's not great. <laughs> it could be. It, it could be genuine. Like it's live natural. I mean, he could yeah. be on the phone while was, watching on his fucking hotel fucking TV. Like, what the fuck did yeah, Heenan yeah. just say about me? <laughs> great uh, stuff. So next up, it's going to be a non-title tag team match, which Nick Patrick won't have you believe. Um, oh Jesus Christ! How many times have we fucking said this now? Like, they don't make it. They don't make it clear beforehand if it's going to be a title match or a non-title title match. It's always with the tag team titles as well. The fucking referee raises the titles, and then halfway through, some fucking somebody on the headset is just saying like, "Oh yeah, this is a non-title match." I got uh, this one, non-title match here, folks. Some fucking tells at the beginning of the match. Yeah. Sells the neck. Oh, great. Right? So, I, I mean, I'm going to give him a pass on this one. Normally, normally, I'd be all, I'd be shitting all over Nick Patrick for this, but it does make sense for him to raise the titles and get a crick in his neck. Like, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but this should be a title match. I mean, it should be. Yeah, um, but I'll, I'll, because they win anyway. Let so. that side. Yeah, I will let that alert. side. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Booker T and Stevie Ray, obviously the tag team champions, Harlem Heat, with Colonel Robert Parker and Sister Sherry versus the American males who have not seen in a while, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. One of them were injured, weren't they? They've been injured for a while. Yeah, Scotty Riggs. That's the one. Um, Yeah. yeah. I will say, going back to what you were saying about Nick Nick Patrick, and you were calling him Nick Twattrick, uh, (laughs) then again, I won't be quite wrong with that. Stick uh, with it, man. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like my, inner, my inner monologue just came fucking seeping out right there and then. Um, yes, um, there was one thing early on that really made me chuckle. It was uh, Stevie Ray slams Scotty Riggs, and the actual impact hurts Patrick's neck. Like he actually says, I think, like, oh, oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> you know? I love it. And, and Stevie Ray just turns around and just goes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually just see him look over and go, you're alright, sorry. <laughs> this is the heel, like, Stevie you're in, Ray. You're in a wrestling match, you should be saying sorry for the referee for being in the ring with an injured neck and you fucking slamming. And it's not even an injured neck anyway, it's fucking fake, isn't it? But it's yeah. just the fact, there's so, such sincerity. I think Stevie Ray doesn't know what kayfabe is. <laughs> like, that's probably why he's so shit, he's actually hurting people for real. And he actually yeah. thought that, he actually thinks that Nick Patrick's got a legitimate broken neck. And he just turned over and he goes, oh, Jesus Christ, Nick, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic stuff. <laughs> it just made me laugh so fucking much. Oh, absolutely brilliant. The fact it's his job as well, like, it's yes. his job to inflict pain on people and he's just like, sorry. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Stevie starts this one off clubbing blows uh, chops and chokes too but Riggs quickly turns it around and the two have a back and forth with reversals until Stevie ultimately slams Riggs down completely that's probably the moment that you're on about Uh, 
Riggs tags out after Stevie doesn't take advantage and misses the elbow, but the double team only gets a two count and Stevie tags out. Uh, Booker is hip tossed over the ropes to which uh, sorry Booker hip tossed over the ropes by Buff Bagwell I keep calling him Buff Bagwell Marcus Bagwell uh, as Heenan correctly points out that it should be a disqualification Tanay quickly off the top of his head says that it was just momentum that took him over to somehow exonerate Booker and keep the match going but we're still doing this after over a fucking year cut to a yep. break <laughs> yeah Book, I mean fucking paedophiles yeah <laughs> No, no, no. Seriously, the last time we went on the rants about that, you called Eric Bischoff a paedophile, so, you know, like... Well, the other thing is that we're in hour two now, and Eric Bischoff is obviously in this shit, and he's very quiet on the matter, isn't he? Like, it takes for today to fucking bail them out of the shit, and surely, Bischoff, like, get your fucking biro out, fucking write a note on your script that says, get rid of the -the over-the-top rule. And why is Mike Tanay fucking bringing this up when he actually is most well-known for recalling Curry's great matches where they constantly go over the top fucking rope. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just doing what's best for business, but... Oh, don't... uh, Fucking... It's best for business, pal. Like, you know, fucking Triple (laughs) H shit here. Like, don't don't fucking do the best for business shit. No. Call it out. Just call it out on live TV like he and the fuck it. Yeah, yeah. So This might solve it. I'm calling bad on on Mike Tanay, though. I'm calling bad. Just, like, don't bring it up. Just don't. I think he showed initiative, but yeah, it, it, just leave it. Just let Heenan have that moment. Let Eric Bischoff fucking respond, actually. Fuck it. Yeah. I just proper... I'd have Heenan and today glare at Eric Bischoff like waiting for a response just to put him on the spot and make it really <laughs> awkward. You'll remember yeah, now, just, won't you? He's just sat there at headset fucking sweat pouring down his face, fucking cloth just like, oh, you know, like he doesn't know what he's done wrong. <laughs> yeah. He's like, um, 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 oh, um. Oh, oh, shit, I haven't apologised to Randy Savage in five minutes. Uh, oh, shit, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh. I like that because he said shit last week as well, didn't he? When Macho <laughs> fucked <laughs> off. Yes, yes. <laughs> Booker gets the upper hand on Buff momentarily. I'm going I'm to refer to him as Buff from now. Everybody knows who I'm on about. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah. Momentarily, I mean, Buff. I mean, Buff is more a wrestling name than Marcus. Oh, Marcus. That's He's right, a never scary made. guy. <laughs> That's why I never made it in the ring. You know, uh, it's like buff. it's like just it's like just a one name buddy wrestle in uh, in WWE and they just called him Brian. <laughs> I, I'm calling myself out that fucking name. It's like it's the most unintimidating un- name ever. You know, Brian. Fucking Brian. Uh, <laughs> Brian. Brian with a drop kick there. <clears throat> Bri- Brian with a sickening power driver. Brian with a brain busting brain. Bu- it just doesn't work, does it? No, it, just it doesn't. doesn't. Work. No. no. Um, <laughs> what is it? But- Booker gets the upper hand on Buff momentarily, but Buff gets the foot up uh, after he runs in, and a running clothesline sends Booker down. But it's still not enough to keep him the powerbomb on Buff, as the outsiders now film the match with both of them having no sticker. Shut up, you! Um, <laughs> I haven't no sticker. I'll do that again because of the fucking cameo appearance from the fucking dog. <laughs> Whoa! Don't be abusing the dog on the on the podcast. Yeah, I ain't no West Ham footballer. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say we don't we don't we don't want the fucking uh, our listeners to go all Kurt Zuma on your ass. No, no, fuck that guy. Put uh, yeah, power bomb on buff him. as the outsiders. <laughs> Can I do this clean, please? <laughs> oh, I've got in the back there is fucking power bomb on buff as the outsiders now film the match with both of them having the nose sticker thing on. I forgot what they were called. Uh, I just call them nasal strips. That's correct. I, I mean, strips, I mean, yep. I mean, that's what they use for for snoring. I don't really know if if for like just generic appearance. I mean, they probably just went to a they probably just went to a pharmacist and got the uh, the nasal strips and just used them. But 
Mm. You know, I, 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 honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, what other purpose do they serve at all? It just, uh, what I, I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. Once I had this match, me and Stevie Ray here, we're gonna go for a nap. Like, okay. <laughs> it, it just, I, I don't get it. I really don't. I'll have to try one on for size just to see if it does help with general breathing. Maybe that's the reason why, just because it's easier to breathe. Yeah. Or maybe it's maybe. just part of the costume. I, I, I don't even think they put that much thought into it. No. It's like, oh, yeah, these look cool. Well, they fucking don't. No. Um, they're not going to sell from the fucking merch stand, are they? Harlem Heat no. and strips. <laughs> little fucking flames on uh, on them. <laughs> I genuinely feel like Gene Simmons would try that with Kiss. Like, I genuinely oh, think he would. Oh, he fucking would. He had, he had invisible yeah. guitar strings, for fuck's sake. Yeah, he'd fucking sell your sister if he could. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> He probably fucking would, though. I let's, don't disagree with you. A, let's call a spade a spade, and I'm not yeah. apologising to Beth. <laughs> I, I've even got my arms folded. It's like, nope, not apologising to you, Beth. No, I've still been on that one. Um, <laughs> so as the outsiders are filming this with the nasal strips on, uh, the fans really don't care about this match anymore. They're just all looking at the uh, outsiders up there. Stevie Clothesline's um, Riggs. Sorry, Stevie Clothesline's buff, but Riggs stops the pin. Booker allowed to briefly cheap shot Buff as Patrick sees to Riggs, getting him out of the ring. Uh, Booker's in now up top, but Buff with a massive drop kick as he comes off. Uh, Riggs in now with no heat from the tag whatsoever, but he doesn't miss a step on taking them both on. Stevie breaks up the pin as it breaks down, with Buff sending Stevie out of the ring. Booker's in no man's land in his fucking head, which sees Sherry and Parker get up onto the apron. Sherry takes a rather nasty spill off the apron. Parker takes a sweet right hand, but it's yes. enough to allow Booker T the advantage with a huge axe kick on Riggs. Uh, Nick tentatively counts. Uh, Buff doesn't know what the fuck to do. He's half in the ring and half out of it. Uh, and you'd just run in and break it up anyway, wouldn't you, really? Uh, yeah. Messy, messy, messy finish to this. Right. Which looked like it was going so well when, when the kick hit. But I, I don't know if this is what they were going for, but this was my interpretation of it. Uh, yes, the the pin was, it was flat. It was the finish was really fucking flat. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it, it's Bagwell's fault that he mistimed it. But what I find really ironic about it is that he actually perfectly times the finish because it's obviously that he's meant to try and break the pin up, but just. Is just slightly off by a half second. Yeah. And it does that perfectly. That fucking timing, like, boom. Really, really fucking impressive. But I think the purpose, the the whole reason for this finish, well, the whole reason is, like, it, it's two. One is that Scotty Riggs and Marcus have not wrestled together for a while. Marcus yeah. has barely been on the show. So it's just kind of, like, a little bit rusty between each other and all that, you know? So... It's just causing for generic tag team mistakes. Yeah, that was what the first thought that went to my head. But if, if that is, if that's what they were going for, fair play to them. If that's not what they were going for, then whatever. What I do like about it is that it adds. It's more ambiguous. Uh, ambiguity. It's this is another thing that makes Nick Patrick look shit. Yeah. Yet he's done absolutely nothing wrong yet again. Yep. He's just counted the pinfall. He's done it at the correct pace, mm-hmm. and it was Bagwell's fault that they that they lost. But they can turn around and use this against him, and he can use it uh, against them 
and against the WCW committee and against the WCW roster and everybody else in between and and say, this is why I am part of the NWO because you didn't fucking trust me. Uh, Yes, I've made mistakes, but even when I didn't make mistakes, you still blame me. Mm. I mean, the heel's got to believe that he's right. Now, if they go down that route, is another story. But that's what I, that's what I saw it as. It's just more ambiguity. I was going to say that's that's Brian it, the Brain Bradshaw giving it way too yeah. much credit because they ain't going they, down that avenue. We know. No, that. they're probably they're probably not. They're probably not. But that's how I saw it. Because yeah. wrestling one one suggests that's the case. Yes, it's ambiguous. It's more ambiguity. And if I've read into it too much, I've read into it too much. But I just liked it because of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Like you've made sense out of a pretty shitty situation, really. Um, but yeah, again, I don't know. In my eyes, Nick Patrick hasn't done anything wrong here, and and it's. I mean, at the end of it, they they go to the replay, don't they? And the it, Bischoff's like, well, let's have a look here. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see what Patrick's done this time. And it's just like, no, Eric, uh, he's he's counted correctly, and the shoulder's yep. pinned. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, Blair. Yeah, it were an okay match. Shit, it <laughs> were all right. It were all right. There, there the, were more the, the moments of excitement, but I, I, I do have to. I have to say it at this point, I have been so underwhelmed by Hall and Heat. Yeah, because yeah, I've true. always been told that they're like a really great tag team, but I've just mm-hmm. seen none of it. There's a great single star in there. That's literally it. There is. And yeah, they've been they've been shackled with. Sister Sherry and Colonel Parker for far too fucking long now. Shackle, so I will, love that you said that word. <laughs> yes, it, they would be better off if they just went the wrong way. And I mean, literally, the tag team went the wrong fucking way as well. But yeah. g- get away from them two and just go go it on your own and let's see what you can do without the fucking the same old ding dong with Sherry and Colonel Parker fucking interfering all the time. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. see these two guys on their own, you know, as a tag team and proving this pro- proving the claims that they were a great tag team yeah you know. well Halloween Havoc's up next obviously they're putting the titles up against the outsiders Hall and Nash uh, they call right. Hall and Nash out at the end of this um, so we'll wait and see hopefully Halloween Havoc you'll get your wish uh, next up the uh, the other two people part of uh Potentially, what Vince McMahon would absolutely fucking love to have in the WWF at this point—it's—it's uh, it's the Fantastics who are Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers versus the I Faces of not, Fear. I did not know who the fuck these guys were. I've heard of Bobby Fulton before, but Tommy Rogers is a new one on me. Yeah, um, I've heard—I've heard of Bobby Fulton before, but I couldn't put a face to him. You know, no. I, I just seriously couldn't put a face to him. And oh my god, they look so fucking rinky-dink here. They really do. Well, what you say there is actually prevalent throughout my fucking description here because I don't know which one's which, so I've called it Fant 1 and Fant 2. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just call them Fanta Orange and Fanta Lemon. <laughs> like it. I didn't. I didn't. I, I've just come up, that, come up with that off the cuff. No, um, it's like, they look really fucking bad. I mean, Fulton, he, he looks really out of shape. The other guy doesn't look too bad, barring, barring his hair. It's like yeah. his hair his lines receding. He's just like, yeah, I'm just going to fucking stick this one guy out. For as long as possible, he's gonna have a fucking skull. So you can put it that way. But yeah, they look shit. They've got bow ties on. They wear it, you know, just normal spandex, glittery vest. You know, it looks like they're trying to portray Chip and Dale's. <laughs> but they have the. But to me, they have the energy of Danny DeVito as a stripper in Friends. <laughs> it, it, it's 
I, I I don't know what they're going for, but yeah, I just I just half expected them just to get gassed pretty quickly, and they get gassed pretty quickly. Yeah, they do. Um, I think Fulton actually makes it makes it over to the WWF in 1997, so Vince did get his wish. Uh, but I I I did write that these guys just look like some fucking proper Butlins shit. Um, <laughs> but, Butlin Butlin strippers just for the adults at night. Yeah, uh, man, uh, fucking hell. Well. Meng's in first, and you pretty much know the story from this point onwards. Uh, it takes for oh, the yes. second Fantastic to come in for the first Fantastic to succeed in any sort of meaningful offence, bouncing off the rope to clothesline Meng over for a sunset flip. It doesn't work, though. Barbarian is inexplicably told to leave the ring while these two are allowed to do double-team moves, but as he does, Meng gets the advantage again with a back-body drop. Um, that Fant one, Well, on Fant 1, sorry, that was actually quite standard. Only I don't think anybody who was watching it on the TV actually saw Barbarian enter the ring again, uh, and he caught the guy in mid-air from this back body drop and powerbombed him onto the fucking... onto the mat. The commentary, the commentary team went fucking mental over it. Oh, uh, this, this is the thing that I love about this match. It's like, it's always fun just to see... Um, see... I nearly said the fucking Fantastics then. Uh, the faces of fear wail on their opponents and just beat the living shit out of them. Yeah. I, it, it's always fun, but the commentary are just buying into that now. It's like <laughs> if you if you went to the commentary one, the faces of fear are faces. They're not heels in this because yeah. they're just enjoying them well and fantastic as much as we are, yeah. and they're just cracking jokes and laughing, <laughs> and it, it's just fucking brilliant. I absolutely, I I I already love this match, but. The commentary hides my wolf for this match. They're not totally. taking it seriously at all. They're just yeah. like fucking podcasters taking the piss. They're just like <laughs> us. It's just it, it, it was just like a reflection of me and you. I can just imagine that we we were going to be the exact same uh, recording this podcast tonight. That's yeah. You pretty much bang on. Uh, and as detailed, like next up, like Barbarian gives a massive fucking backbreaker to one of them, and Heenan just turns around and says, "Aki breaky back," like. <laughs> <laughs> we're, even t- we're not even. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> we're just not taking this seriously, man. These, like, the, the, these two are two of the hardest people in wrestling history. Like, <laughs> genuinely, you know what I mean. Like, and Heenan's just like, "Don't turn my back, my achy breaky back." <laughs> there's also I mean, one point where there's also one point where Eric calls a fantastic cannon fodder as well. he wanted to say jobbers, and that's what <laughs> he, he, he so wanted to say the jobbers. Oh man, um, Bischoff also gives us a running commentary of the uh, Atlanta Braves score from fucking the twenty first of October nineteen ninety six. Like, like we care. Who um, fucking cares? <laughs> well, Ted Turner owned them, so I'm guessing he could. But that's about uh, it. He, he does wish uh, Kevin Green well as well, and he wants to see him back in in a WC, w ring soon as well. So there he we does. Go. Yeah, um, quite nice. Meng's in now right. after Barb sent Fant one. It's getting really fucking confusing this now. Into the corner. A belly to back release uh, suplex while Fant One attempts his kicks uh, sorry, attempts to kick Meng's shins. He just fucks him up with a pal driver instead. Um NWO Sting's in the fucking crowd now. He's he's uh sorry, he's not here in the crowd. NWO Sting is here, according to Bischoff, but we already knew this because we've seen him in the crowd already. Yep. Um, we already know <laughs> This is the point where I called him a dickhead. I'll skip it actually. Like, fuck it. Um, <laughs> we've wailed on him too much already yeah yeah uh, Fant 2 breaks up a couple of pins there's a spinning wheel kick on Meng which rocks him and allows him to get a lukewarm tag uh, Bischoff getting word about an unmissable final part of the show as Fant 2 with a drop kick off the top rope double team on Barb with a belly to back 
there's a double belly to back obviously and a double drop kick from the middle ropes gets a two count one of the fans is caught in mid-air by Barb coming off the top rope and Meng boots him in the head and it's just three <laughs> that's just it <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow a really really fun squash <laughs> <laughs> like you said it's always fun with Meng and Barbarian because I'm pretty sure yeah. they call everything on the fucking fly and it's just like you, you're going to take it yeah even if you refuse to I know it's and I know it's not hard, but they are pound for pound my favourite tag team in the division at the moment. I just, <laughs> I'm just enjoying them. I, I I want them to win the titles. I really do. I'm just having so much fun with these two guys. Fucking old school roughhouses, and they don't give a fuck about anybody. They're like, yeah, we won't hurt you, but we'll fucking make we'll lay shit in. Yes. You know, we'll make sure that yeah, you you're not too you know too physical. We won't break your bones or like that. We won't make you bleed, but we'll fucking bruise you. I don't know about not breaking bones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back to what you were saying about Jimmy Fulton, uh, Jimmy Fulton, uh, Bobby Fulton going back to WWE after this, uh, both Bobby Fulton and what's his fucking name? Uh, uh, Tommy. Tommy Rogers, yes. That's the one. They both went, uh, They both actually went back to WWF in, in June of 1997 and they had a match against each other in what was billed as a light heavyweight match. <laughs> Oh, man. This was at request of Jim Cornette to convince Vince McMahon to start a light heavyweight division, which eventually started. No. That's what fu- yes. <laughs> These two. Yes. We're giving them that accolade. Oh, my yes. fucking God. They had the one match and that was it. I don't even know what to say to this. No, neither do I. By the way... uh, Jimmy Fulton retired in 2020. Wow. Fair fucks. Yeah. He looks shit here. He retired at... Fi- <laughs> he retired at 59 years old. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Um, uh, right, yeah. I keep calling him Jimmy Fulton. It's Bobby Fulton, but his Bobby real Fulton. name is actually James, so... I'm so not you're really not far off. Yeah, yeah, no, you're yeah. not far off. After the yeah. break, Bischoff again sends us, sends us back to the tape from last week with Macho and Liz. Uh, this time it's in split screen because we fucking love that shit. Um, we see the whole thing again. Uh, yeah. Eric says there's footage that he's going to show everyone and then yeah, he doesn't just, show anybody. It's more extended pandering to Randy Savage. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, Eric Bischoff has just been doing this repeatedly since last week. It's like, we get it, you're fucking sorry. Shut yeah. up. Uh, and your main event, I can't believe I can't believe this is a thing. This this is an end. This is a, a well. It's not meant to be the main event, is it? I should, it's I should an impromptu main event. Yeah, I've kind of spoiler alert there. Not um, even impromptu, actually. It's like impromptu in hindsight. So this is supposed to be the semi-main and just ends up being the main. Yes. NWO Sting is going to get a match that apparently the NWO have paid for, and he's going to face off against Mister JL because clearly uh, WCW just wants to just give him fodder so they give him Jerry Lynn who is literally just going by JL now not even Mr. JL yeah. um, obviously obviously a guy a guy that's dressed as which you know they can't call him Mr. no <laughs> Senor <laughs> yeah yeah Senor JL yeah fuck it why not NWO Sting is out to Sting's music uh, and the NWO minus Hogan comes through the crowd to ringside to, to watch this one uh, it's the standard sting light moves until a crossbody catch and a slam, which was actually pretty fucking nice. Yeah. Um, it, it, as I said before, it's got the sting stick down. Yeah, yeah, but not to not the, not to that fucking perfection that you no no but be able to it, tell the difference. You've got to keep it, it a little bit fucking wiggle room, don't you? Yeah, but to make it all serviceable, they did a fucking better job with this guy than what uh, WWE did with fake fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon. Of course, and it was all I mean, Jim Ross's fault. It, 
Yeah. This is a quote-unquote stinger splash, uh, and then uh, he whaps on a scorpion deathlock, and just as you think that it's all over... It's whoa. Sting! I can't do it. I'm fucking so on. glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Sting. We get to it see is. Sting for the first time in God knows how long. Um, in our real life, it's been fucking three months since we've seen Sting, so I'm quite happy about it. Yes. The referee falls to the fucking floor, which I thought was great. <laughs> Uh, just as Sting's getting into the ring, he's decked out in a black trench coat and the black and white face paint, but not fully covering his face at this uh, this point. Sting no, it's with- um, it, it. You can see it's the it's the um, it's it's that period in between. Uh, I can't I can't even think of the fucking word. <laughs> Pre-cross, I don't know. Pre-crossing, no, I'd, I'd have to call it because it is it, crossing, isn't it? But it's that transitional period. Tra- that's that's the one. Transitional period. Word. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's the old school surfer sting sort of shape, but it's just crow eyes and it's just black and white. The the blonde is completely out now. He's even got rid of that fucking weird blotch that he had on his head of whatever that was. Um, he is still wearing the colourful tights, but he's wearing the um, SFX fucking shirt. Yeah, he's defected to the dark side, according to the, uh, to the commentary desk. However, he does grab the hurt of the NWL Sting and gives him a, a wallop for the Scorpion Death Drop. Uh, there's a couple of really high elbow drops. I don't think I've ever seen Sting get this high from elbow drops in my fucking life. But he is the, energised. Yeah, the rest has done him, done him really, really good. Of course. Um, what really the NWL, surprises me, though, is that the whole purpose for... The whole real-life purpose for him going away, going on TV, is so he could heal up because he had nagging injuries. It's like, mm. if you look at this... He don't look fucking injured at all. If he's doing shit like that, he's fine. He's ready to go. Yes. Yep. Um. I see the dog's making another cameo appearance. <laughs> the NWO is on the outside, but they leave the NWO Sting to get beat up. Sting locks in a scorpion deathlock as the end, and the NWO momentarily, uh, a moment after, enters the ring, but the comms are absolutely beside themselves putting the face paint and the NWO colours together and assuming that he is NWO. Right, um, you said they did. Bobby Heenan did. Before yeah. Before then, only Eric seemed to buy it's the real Sting. You know, until he attacked the NWO Sting. And then, after that, it's like he's still, he, he's saying that, oh yeah, he's, uh, you know, just, uh, he's basically just saying, let it play out, let it play out, but not actually saying that. He's just saying, wait, wait. And then when he got when the NWR proxy ring, that's when Eric says, "Ah shit, he's he's part of the NWR." The penny yeah. drops there and then. Mm-hmm. Before then, he's he, he's trusting Sting, which again, it's a nice little wrinkle. It you is. Know, the, the other commentary team have gone back, gone back. You know, they they've gone back to the old trick of not trusting him, even though he's shown that he's been faithful. But Eric Bischoff is like, "No, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt until." The NWR get in the ring and then that's it. It's like yeah, nah, he's definitely he's definitely joined and it's all our fault. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously the NWR comes in, but they don't attack Sting. Obviously they're also giving the impression now that you know he is part of the NWR. Uh, DiBiase welcomes Sting back, but he says specifically that the NWR wants to welcome him back too, uh, and just blatantly asks him to join the NWR. One thing I fucking love from Kevin Nash here is that he quotes. His, what was it, his favorite American poet of all time, Jim yes. Morrison, <laughs> and Fucking says, brilliant. "Break on through to the other side." Uh, Hall says, 
that Sting's carried WCW for nine years and what have you actually got to show for it? He says that they brought out an imposter and nobody knows that better than us, referencing the fake diesel razor thing that you were talking about earlier on. Uh, He brought out the imposter to get to Sting. He says the NWR are taking over, but with Sting, they are absolutely unstoppable. They've brought the devil out of him. He reached down. That right there is your cheap imitation. You get what you pay for, don't you? The real Sting may or may not be in your price range. But the only thing that's for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. What does that mean? He's a free agent. What does it mean? What's she doing? Once again, uh, the comms speculate, as he said uh, yes, or as he said no, as Sting leaves the ring. Um, Obviously, you've you've obviously seen that promo multiple times as well. Heard that promo because it is it's just in fucking Sting's folklore. The, the, there's always the turn your back one, and the only thing you're for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. Right. Well, I've never seen this promo before. Have you not? Oh man, no. fucking hell! Like I said, you know, I've seen little drips and drabs of, of WCW, but yeah. a lot of the Sting stuff, a lot of the NWO stuff, I've never actually seen before. I have always had it's in my head to leave it another day, not to watch things. Because I had a project in mind. What that project was ever going to be, I did not know at the time. I didn't expect it to become a podcast. I wanted it to become a podcast, but I didn't expect it to. So you should be fucking thanking your Yorkie stars for not seeing this. Well, yeah, I am. But, I mean, when the when Sting was in the WWE and, and you, you sort of reminding people who Sting is... You know, they, 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 they've no problem showing like little matches and shit like that. But, yeah, th- but this, is, like- this is a massive part of it. Yeah, but it's a good job I've never seen it because I was fucking enthralled with this. I was really, really enthralled. And obviously, you'll well, I don't know if you'll know this now, but I don't even know if this is a spoiler alert, but these are the, these are the last words that he'll say on, uh, for 18 months. Well, you, you've already said that to me before, you're saying yeah. that he does come back and he says one thing and then that's it, he's gone, and this mm. is it, you know. And, yeah, um, I mean... You say it's a spoiler, but you didn't really spoil what he was doing, what he was saying, you know, what he was teasing. Like, yeah. and yeah, this is one of the very few few times where Sheds of Grey wrestling has actually worked. It's like, mm. you know, it's one of those things that they've tried time and time again. You know, is it a heel? Is he a face? You know, playing both sides. A heel that's been a face for the sake of the storyline, and then, you know, yada yada. Same old thing, Don. Never seen somebody work. This works really fucking well because. I know where it goes for Sting. I know he's not really joining the NWO, but yeah. there's always that case of, well, he might. He might tease joining the NWO. He might mm-hmm. come down to save the NWO and then kick their ass or mm-hmm. or actually kick their opponent's ass or what have you. I don't know where that, it, you know, these, I don't know these little things. I don't know where it's going to, to that degree. I do know it's going to... Sting versus the NWO, and this is a nice. It's just a nice little nuance into that storyline. Yeah, yeah, a really nice nuance. Because now I'm like wondering. I'm left wondering if if he is going to join the NWO, hmm. even if it's just for a small period, hmm. even if it's just a ruse. I'm left wondering that, and that is the whole point of this angle. 
And I'm so fucking glad I've never seen this before. I really am. Yeah, I mean, but then you kind of look at it now like he doesn't attack the NWO, he doesn't attack WCW. He's no, exactly. As he said, he's a free agent, so he doesn't yeah. need to. There's three ways, isn't there? Like it's uh, it's quite it's quite interesting, but obviously, it can go anywhere. It is sort of affirmed that he's not in the NWO, or at least not yet. Even though, as you said, Heenan is speculating that he is. So he hasn't said yes, he hasn't said no. Um, as the comms continue to speculate, Eric says that he's headed to the back because he needs to get answers. Uh, and as we go to a break, the last thing you hear is, Randy Savage is here. Back from the break, Chris Benoit is out as Dave Penzer prepares to announce the match man as his music plays and the pyro explodes. But after a few moments, he does appear. Uh, he's all dressed in black leather, um, they yeah. call it street clothes. I really hope that Macho Man actually wears them sort of clothes when he's yeah, out and it, about. It's all black, 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 uh, black pants, black boots, black t-shirt, black leather, uh, leather uh, jacket with the uh, what they fucking call them tassels. Tassels, that's the one. Yeah. Um, just eluded me. A black cowboy hat, a black, uh, black shades. Only him could pull this off. Yeah. Only Savage <laughs> could pull this. Off. He looks cool. Him, him, and Chuck Norris. Nobody else. <laughs> He looks fucking cool. In a really weird way, he looks so fucking cool. I, I did actually say this to you the other night about the uh, the shitty Nottingham Forest kit. It looks like a, a fruit salad that's been run over. <laughs> you know, a fruit salad toffee. You know, it's just red and yellow, like luminous yellow, and it's zigzag in the middle and all that. You know, it looked it look fucking disgusting. But yeah, if I, 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 I went to a diatribe about how awful that, that kit is, like one of the worst kits I've ever seen. But if I saw Randy Savage wore anything that resembled that, I'd say, yeah, yeah, he looks fucking cool as fuck. Because that's yeah. Randy Savage. He could pull literally anything off. Yep, yep. He really I could. I think he's had something close to that in the past as well. I, I want it, Nottingham it, Forest to come out and say that that kit is a homage to Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, if it is, then I'll take everything that I've said back. <laughs> <laughs> but I have the feeling that Randy Savage wasn't a Nottingham Forest fan. No, no. Uh for the umpteenth time today, Eric apologises to the macho man. Uh, he says yeah. there's something else for him to see, so he sets up another TV and uh, plays a bit of a video. Uh, macho didn't learn his lesson from last time, didn't tell Eric to just fuck off. No, we're going to watch this one. Uh, and it's Hogan on the film set of Three Ninjas. Have you watched it yet? Nope. No, I don't blame you. Hogan apparently t- <laughs> <laughs> Hogan apparently talks to the director, quote-unquote director, uh, but now Hogan is taking over the production of the film with the NWO. Uh, yeah, I like when director. he says uh, says director on the screen and it's uh, in brackets, not anymore. Not anymore, yeah. Uh, Giant is now the director, Hogan is now the producer, so I guess Giant got his film that he was promised all them while back, even, yeah. Oh, it's, an, it's another film. Another film, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, Lizzie's Jingle shown... Jingle all the way is in the canon, ready to be released here. <laughs> Lizzie's shown taking orders from Hogan, goading her into saying all the stuff that she said on the video last week. Uh, Giant says, I want to see her say that she loves the macho man. Liz doesn't want to do any of it and asks Hogan to stop. Hogan threatens her while Liz says she, uh, that he's ruin, ruining her life for the second time. Uh, Giant locks her in a trailer uh, that conveniently has a camera in it. One thing that Bischoff always said is that he, he, li- he likes... He likes cameras to be in places where it makes sense. Well, a camera yeah. being in Hogan's trailer don't make no sense to me, brother. Uh, it um, makes sense to me because it's the kind of thing... He's done this before, having, uh, shagging somebody's fucking wife or shagging somebody's ex-wife and on videotape. He's done it before. You know, I'm I saying that he could probably want to do it with Liz. 
I won't oh, yeah. Past him. Yeah, that was a hidden camera, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I, a I hidden won't... camera would have made sense to me here. Yeah, I won't put it past him. Mm. Um, I feel like I just got off a, off a roller coaster, brother. Oh. Why would you call a girl, brother? After born in it. <laughs> well, why, why would oh you do Love Sponge's wife? That fucking documentary. It's just like. Terry Bollet being asked if uh, he really has a 13 inch dick in court, and he goes, I don't have a 13 inch dick. The, 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 the character of Hulk Hogan has a 13 inch dick. You're a character that fucking appeals to children for fuck's sake. Why would he have a 15, 13 inch cock? <laughs> you can Take convincingly your... say paedophile now. You know, <laughs> fucking say... marketed towards co- uh, cocks. Marketed towards cocks. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh man, I'm crashing. Um... Say, say your bros are taking Viagra, bro. What a twat he is. Yeah. Um, yes. I, I will say, though, with the fucking hair, the the the, uh, the fake area of the wig, he actually does look pretty cool. So he, 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 he does he, suit it. He uses this at some point in, in on Nitro. Oh, I don't know wow. when, but he does use it. Um, he looked completely fucking different. Uh, Hogan props up her chin uh, with his fingers, demanding that she makes this video, and Liz asks again for him to leave her alone. So he essentially locks her in the trailer and says he's going to give her acting lessons Hogan style. Um, uh. We come back to, to the, the natural live and Bischoff again asks Macho for his thoughts and again Macho walks off. Eric apologises to Benoit but Macho comes back. I've got something to say. Just occurred to me how fragile friendships and relationships can be. And you, Eric Bischoff, you and I both know how fragile business can be. Even marriage is fragile. But Hulk Hogan, life is fragile. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Randy, you're not going there. Randy, you can't. You can't mean. He means. Randy. He means it, Mike. No way. Yeah, I I really really enjoyed his verbiage here. Yeah, it it, it, it makes it sound. It, he doesn't actually say it, but he implies that he's going to kill Hulk Hogan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and like the way he goes around it about fragility, it's like really fucking clever, really clever. Really enjoyed this promo. It's not. It's intense, but not in savage intense. No, it's quietly it's qu- like it's quiet. Really... It's quiet intensity. Yeah. That's probably the worst. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> fucking hell, if Macho's like, I know that life is fragile, and then walks off, it's just like, <laughs> whoa, no way. I don't want to be in his way. Uh, Jesus yeah, we sign Christ. off with just Who? Macho wandering <laughs> off, and, and Bischoff just like, he didn't say shit this week, but f- uh, he was definitely thinking it. Yeah, he, pro- he was definitely thinking, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright 1996 WCW. Uh, rating 3.2 <laughs> to Raw's 
fire away, Brian. What, what, what are your overall feelings? I will say one thing. Apart from a couple of dud matches, it was a much better show this week. Mm. Yeah, not brilliant by any means. Uh, two really good matches and two okay tag matches. One, one of them was actually really fun. Not for the reasons that it should be fun, but it was fun. <laughs> uh, the rest were, you know, they were. They were. Uh, this week, it's just more about the story development than anything. And, and like I said before, the the NWO storyline, both the Savage and the uh, the Nick Patrick arcs have had a nice injection that they, that they really needed. Just to, just just to give it some something different, just to just to take it up a little notch because a, a lot of it, it the last few weeks the NWO have been a bit in a bit of a malaise. Yeah, like, it's just like running through the marshes. Again, that is just. The creative costing from pay per view to pay per view, that's literally it. Uh, but yeah, oops, burping. Uh, yeah, it, it really needed it. Oh, and the Sting stuff, of course, as well. Yeah, not forgetting yeah. the Sting. It, it, yeah, they, they really needed to make up going into the pay per view, they really needed to uh, take it up a notch, and they take it up several notches here. Yeah, not a great episode by any means, but a good episode. Good, yeah, it's 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 a weird one because uh, I. In terms of, of of going into Halloween Havoc, this is your last Nitro. I think it was weak going into a pay per view. Oh, absolutely, but yes. But without week, the shows, yeah, without week, a lot that we've the seen. Show, without week, the shows have been so far. The, uh, it, since the last pay per view, they really needed to do something to make up for that this week. Yeah. And yeah. they did. I mean, I mean, even then, actually, the, the Jarrett st- uh, the storyline goes. Uh, you know, goes up a slight notch as well. Mm. Uh, with Rick Flair coming in to give it that timely boost. I mean, we've got Rick Flair returning, we've got Sting returning. I mean, that's that's a marquee episode of Natural. If, if yeah. you're if you're if you haven't watched this episode of Natural and then you read, oh, Rick Flair makes his return after injury, Sting makes an appearance from his exile. That's that's marquee. That that is yeah. I have to watch this episode. Yeah. And yeah, it, it what it does right, it uh what it what it does well is what it does right. Bang on, it, I like it. You know, there's and 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 that's it. It it should have been better than this being a go home show, but the go home shows for um for WCW have not been great anyway. So, you know, I can't really fault them too much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a downside better than the last few episodes, and down downside better than most go home show episodes as well. So, yeah, a, a decent show. Brilliant stuff. Right. Um. WF Raw results. Dark match. Flash Funk defeated Leaf Cassidy. Uh, <laughs> Two cold Scorpio and Al Snow. Nice. <laughs> um, Freddie Joe Floyd defeated Mike Diamond. No idea Jesse, who they are. Jesse James, Mark Miro, and The Undertaker. Those are fucking three man tag team that you're never going to see again. Jesus Christ. Defeated. W- WWE Universe mode. <laughs> defeated Gold Dust, Mankind, and Steve Austin. Ch- what? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And then they on just, the TV... They just um, threw names out the hat, didn't they? <laughs> they might have. Psycho I mean, Sid oh, defeated okay, Owen Hart. Okay, on TV, so there we go. <laughs> Psycho Sid defeated Owen Hart via disqualification. The Godwins defeated the Smoking Guns. Uh, and in IC title match, Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeated Mark Murrow with Sable and Mr. Perfect to win the title. Um, yeah, on to wrestling news. I'll try and fly through this because there is there is a little bit. Um, Conan finally up to left, treble A. I got it right for the first time. 
yeah, with yeah, many yeah. of their younger stars. Uh, he negotiated deals for many of them, including the likes of Rey Mysterio, Juventus Guerrero, Super Calo, there he is, uh, etc., to go to promo Azteca, who agreed that they can also work dates for WCW and EMLL. He wanted to take La Parker also, but Treble A owns the trademark, much like The Undertaker is owned by the WWF, which will likely see him stay there all his life. He doesn't, uh, but it becomes a right <laughs> old legal mess. <laughs> um, Lawler again taking shots at WCW at the USWA event this week. He interviewed people who apparently went to the show last week and said that the so, uh, who said that the show sucked and that they even removed pro-Lawler signs. Lawler quite rightly pointed out that WCW's claim to draw the biggest crowd ever at that venue is indeed a lie, as USWA has drawn bigger crowds many times. Uh, our mate Devon Storm was whacked legit over the head with a cane by a fan after trash-talking him. <laughs> he was hospitalised and missed the next night's show. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Taz also had an altercation with a fan, but turned it into a, a decent promo after pushing the guy to the floor, uh, but then said he respected the fan more than Sabu because Sabu is a pussy. <laughs> the fan was not a plant. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love these sometimes. They're pretty fucking amusing. D'Lo Brown will... Re- D- oh, fucking should laugh at this. D'Lo Brown will require some dental work after face planting a shooting star press over the weekend. Uh, well, by this point, he was actually pretty heavy set. Why is he attempting that? I have no idea. Sim Billy Kidman do it on Nitro and just thought, I know what I'll do. No. Yeah, I'll try that. But yeah, he were, he were a big guy at this point. He really yeah. turned down in like late 98, early 99. But mm. yeah, before then, he were pretty fat. He shouldn't be doing a shooting star press deal. Or... No. Even when um, you trim down, I wouldn't recommend you doing a shooting star press. <laughs> There's some good news here about uh, Bron the Leprechaun. Remember him? Oh, God. <laughs> Bron the Go Leprechaun on. is no more. People have complained to WCW saying that it's highly offensive. Shock horror. <laughs> oh, my God. This, this, I don't know why, but this tickled me as well. Right. Uh, Dusty um, Rhodes. I'll just say one thing. Let's, let's, uh, let's ask Peter Dinklage if it's offensive to win. Oh. It's a fucking... It, right, it's a mythical creature, a leprechaun. Like, yeah, that's not offensive... There are backwards fucking shit with dwarves and things like that, that that deserve being called out. But a fucking leprechaun, a mythical creature, are you kidding me? <laughs> There's nothing offensive about that. Christ. Uh, d- but, hey, if it's got him off TV, I don't give a shit too much. But yeah, yeah. well. Dusty Rhodes commented, uh, commentated on WCW Saturday Night last week where there was a Dusty Wolf wrestling this was apparently too much for Dusty Rhodes, and he subsequently opted to call him Scott Wolf because saying his own name was making him go do lally in his own head, tripping up and cocking up the comms. He even yes. managed to convince Tony Schiavone to call him Scott Wolf as well. I've got to see this. I hope it's on the fucking network, and if it isn't, it's fucking tragic. Um, Hogan, this is not funny. Hogan is being sued by a woman who used to work for Pastamania, uh, but he's got a counter sue for extortion. Uh, the details of which I will not go into because they're extremely graphic. Let's just say oh, that somebody's Jesus. being accused of, of some really bad stuff. Uh, Dave speculates that after WCW aired commercials seemingly putting Sting in a position to be potentially the company's top babyface, that they should probably go with somebody else instead of Sting. Seeing as Sting hasn't been able to succeed in that role after years of WCW trying... He also says that the idea for Sting to tease his WCW slash NWO courting has uh, courting his signature has been brought about by Bret Hart doing the same with WCW and the WWF. 
Up until Sunday night, the WWF wasn't sure Hart was going to sign a contract with them, to the point that they had Jim Ross say on the pay-per-view that he would be on Raw the next night, just in case he didn't show up so that more heat could land on Ross's doorstep after the fake Diesel razor thing. Vince left an offer with <sighs> Brett after Brett made demands, which the majority of which uh, Vince accepted. Brett then called Eric Bischoff to allow him to counter, and that offer included two movies per year with Turner, the same money, less dates, and less travel, all reinforced by a phone call from Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, who actually called Brett up to confirm that life down south is much easier, with talk of their guaranteed second place to Hogan income clause being wavered for WCW to sign Brett. Brett signed the infamous 20-year deal with WWF, apparently worth $14 million, which actually doesn't work out at the $4 million that Dave's been quoting, uh, and was said to have been extremely professional about all of the negotiations, including that with WCW. Bischoff, uh, in particular, he praised on Brett for saying that he was absolutely professional and he didn't hold any grudge towards Brett for staying at the WWF. Likewise, Brett said that Eric was very good, uh, very good to him about the negotiations, uh, and that the whole thing was ha- handled in the best possible way. This is quite a fucking wholesome story, isn't it? Yeah. Um, wow. Wholesome th- stories in wrestling in 1996 between two <laughs> companies and two companies uh, performers and staff members. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Never thought I'd um, hear that. The talk is that Vince promised Brett if Hogan comes back, mentioning to Brett that Hogan and Savage's contracts are coming up soon and that they could be coming back to the WWF because now Vince is willing to give guaranteed contracts, uh, but that they also might bring guys like the Giant with them, which is going back to what we were saying about Big Ron Stud. If you're, you know, if you're a bit, oh shit, are we going to lose the Giant? Then why the fuck are you not putting Ron Stud in a more significant position to fill that gap? Yeah, but that exactly. goes back to what we were saying earlier on. Um, obviously, they see more money in Rodwalk. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Although I don't think we're going to see him again. Um, Vince has promised, if Hogan was to come back, that uh, Brett, he, w- he would write for Brett to go over Hogan, seeing as Brett is still hung up on Hogan leaving in 1993 without putting Brett over. Um, there was a promo from Brett on Monday Night Raw, which I'll, pro- I'll, I'll play as well. Um, just to add, Vince asked Brett to go on TV and rip up his WCW contract on TV and Brett said absolutely not um, they were very good to me uh, and I won't be doing that so there you go wholesome Brett Hart story <laughs> the hitman Brett Hart Brett I know you have a lot to say we're all wondering if Bret Hart's going to retire, Bret Hart's going to come back and answer the challenge of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Are you going to take a front office position? Are you going to make movies? Please tell us what's in the future for Bret the Hitman Hart. And by the way, welcome back. Well, I missed everybody. I just want to say that uh, for the past couple of weeks or maybe a little more, I've had to deal with a lot of, uh, a lot of things and uh, well for one there was a certain rival wrestling organization that uh, all I could say is they made me a great offer. And they dealt with me 
with integrity and nothing but an honorable fashion and I can't say anything bad about anything that they uh, and how they represented themselves or me and uh, I was faced with this incredibly tough dilemma that if I decide to go back to wrestling whether I should in fact come back to the WWF or find new adventures somewhere else I was, it was not that long ago that I said, these are my words, I think, that, I, that I'm not greedy for money, I'm greedy for respect. And until you actually have to step into my shoes and make that kind of a decision, when you get offered a, a, a great offer and you have to decide which one you're going to take. And I've done a lot of soul searching. You know, nobody has any idea how much soul-searching I've done over this. But when it comes right down to it, that everything I've ever done and everything I ever plan on ever doing, I owe it all to my WWF fans. And I won't be going anywhere. The WWF... Well, I'll be with the WWF forever. Whoa. All right. All right. Now I want to address why I left in the first place. You know, people wonder if I left because maybe I'm, maybe I'm a sore loser. Maybe I am. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Shawn Michaels, the World Wrestling Federation champion. I want to make something very clear, because it might not have seemed like it at the time. But Shawn Michaels beat me fair and square right in the middle of the ring, and there's no excuses for it. I might not be real thrilled about it, but I knew when I climbed back through the ropes after that 60-minute match, I knew what was at stake and I lost and I have no excuse for it. You know, I, I consider Shawn Michaels my opponent, not my enemy. But Shawn Michaels, there's just something about you that really bugs me. Something about you that bugs me. Shawn Michaels, you might be a little younger than I am. You might be a little more, you might even be a little more popular, popular. Well, there's people out there that might think that Shawn Michaels is even a little bit cuter than I am. <laughs> Shawn Michaels is a great wrestler and he's done a great job as champion. But there's two things that Shawn Michaels will never, ever be. He will never ever be as tough as me. With all due respect. And he will never ever be as smart as me. I'm not so certain I would concur with. I think Richard Nixon said it best. Then again, it may be true. You learn from defeat 
and you come back and you beat them the next time. Which is why I've decided to accept the challenge of the best wrestler in the WWF today and in the Survivor Series I will face Stone Cold Steve Austin I might be a little rusty and maybe I won't be but Steve Austin, I want you to know one thing. Madison Square Garden. It's not a church, but it's holy ground. And Steve Austin, stone cold, we'll see who kicks whose ass in Madison Square Garden. sickening McMahon it's overwhelming it's what it is since I've been off I've uh, had a chance to really think about a lot of things and I owe everything I got to my fans all around the world I got the most incredible fans all over the world from Germany to the United States Canada it's an incredible honor and a privilege to have fans like that and it's something I take quite seriously about being a role model. And I think that uh, the one thing that's been missing in the World Wrestling Federation for about the last five or six months has been me. <laughs> no doubt about it. Been the nicest six months I've ever seen. I just want to say, you know, people ask me why. Why am I coming back? Why do I want to come back? Yeah, why? It's not that much fun sometimes, especially if you can afford not to, to come back and get kicked around and beat up. It's a tough job and it's a hard way of life. And I got to go home and spend a lot of time with my family. They got There's this one here. little boy in Canada that uh, basically worshipped me and I was his biggest hero and it's something I take an, an incredible amount of pride in and this little boy one day he got real sick and it didn't take very long, it took just a matter of a few hours and this little boy became the sickest little boy in Canada and I went to his bedside and I promised this little boy on his last legs when they didn't think he would make it through the night I promised this little boy that if he would just pull out of that if he just come through if he could just kick out that I would come out of retirement for him and as soon as I said that in his ear he he started to come out of it well I wish I have I wish I could tell you I have a happy ending here but I don't 
Just when we thought this little boy was going to turn the corner, he didn't. And that little boy passed away. And that little boy was my nephew. But the, the reason that I've decided to come back, and people can think all they want to, and they can, they can guess that I've come back, that I planned this out a long time ago, but the fact of the matter is, from that very day, I promised myself that I would come back. And I would give wrestling fans and little kids all around the world somebody that they can look up to, somebody that doesn't necessarily... Hey, I can't dance, and I don't pose too well for uh, girly books. But I am. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And I'm back. Thank you very much. Yes! The Hitman is back! And Mr. Perfect will be back as well!